what's up everyone this is the nuts and bolts podcast and i'm your host the one james here with our amazing co-host airball hey guys and michael kritz what i do and we're here to give you the nuts and bolts of the standard and pioneer formats each and every week but first let me talk to you about the sponsor of this podcast, CoolStuffInc.com. Using code JAMES5, you can save 5% off of anything in the store, sealed products, singles, anything you could ever need in Magic the Gathering, and every other game for that matter. They have it. Go save yourself some hard-earned money and go to CoolStuffInc.com today. Let's go right ahead to the upkeep, because we have a little bit of a longer, uh, longer podcast episode today. The upkeep today is going to be a bear otherwise known as Grizzly Bear. Grizzly Bears, plural, is a card that is just a 2-2 creature with no abilities, costing 2 mana. And that's what a bear is. Anytime that you hear someone talk about a bear, it's usually a 2-mana 2-2 that does nothing. That has either has no abilities or has no like relevant abilities. So if something has a 2-mana 2-2 that just does nothing, even if it has an ability that's not relevant right now, I guess you could call it a bear. Um, so, well, let's go right ahead. And go into the main phase. It's the Brothers War set review. Brand new set coming out. I'm pumped. I'm excited. Ah, an artifact set. I have never been playing Magic personally in an artifact set. Have either of you? No. Oh God, no. That was like a that was like way too long ago, right? Yeah, I don't know when. Yeah, I have no idea. Anyways, we have an artifact set here. It's the Brothers War. We're going to go from the Mythics into the Rares. We're going to talk about some cards. We're probably going to conjecture a little bit on what we think some cards will do for the format, shake things up a little bit, but it's going to be a long episode. So strap in, grab a cup of coffee or whatever you like drinking. I have a cup of coffee and a water in front of me. Um, let's get started. We have our first Mythic, Morel or Mural, Shield of Argive. It's a four mana, three, four legendary creature, human soldier. During your turn, your opponents can't cast spells or activate abilities of artifacts, creatures, or enchantments. Whenever Mural, Shield of Argive attacks, create X plus, or X one one colorless soldier artifact creature tokens where X is the number of soldiers you control. Um, the, My first reaction is like, are you kidding me? Like, really? I am not. You're not? You're not kidding me? I'm not kidding you. It is exactly what you just read. <laughs> I mean I mean I mean what what do you think about this card? Like I I mean I don't even know how I how I analyze this. It's just like broken. I mean yeah, it's four mana, but like I don't know. How do you evaluate this? It kind of reminds me of um of Dramoka from the Double Master set. Like players can't cast spells on your turn, and it's got this like nice property where you play it, and the opponent has been holding up mana for removal, and they can't do anything anymore. It's kind of like got that Teferi three quality from past standards, so it's nice in that way. But it is kind of understated as a three four for four. So if it gets doombladed the next turn, you still kind of feel bad. I mean, what do you think, Michael? Yeah, I think this is going to be really interesting, and I don't quite know how it's going to slot and where it's going to slot. I think. And these are just just quick thoughts, right? So I think aggro is going to love this easily. Like easily, you can slot this into aggro. But where I think it gets really interesting is, do control players put this in the sideboard against other control players? Like, is it going to Esper midrange as like a sideboard card in a weird way? Because now you know you're not getting fudge with as like a Teferi three card, except it makes soldiers if you're ahead. Like, 
this will cement your you being ahead because then you can like make soldiers and make dudes and attack and they can't do anything on your turn so that is it's a quick thing. I haven't super analyzed it, but it's just where my brain goes. Like that that is an interesting part of the card that I didn't think of. <clears throat> it's like kind of an Adeline, but like it's like a worse Adeline, but also says your spells can't be countered. So it's like, wow. I, I didn't I didn't actually think about that part of it. I like I figured, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have a wandering emperor in your hand, right? And you're gonna be like, all right, I'm gonna get him on this wandering emperor. We're gonna we're gonna exile their brutal cathar when they attack with it. I'm gonna get my creature back, I'm gonna block their thing, and then we're gonna win the game. And then they go, all right, fourth land, Morel, Shield of Argive. And you'll be like, oh, oh, I guess I have yeah, to cast well, Wandering Emperor now. It, it actually doesn't stop you from activating Planeswalker abilities. So that's one of the only things it doesn't turn off. But, well, that, that's true, yeah. but you have to cast it, like, first. You, but, yes, but before, right. before you, like, really want to. And then your opponent sees that you have the Wandering Emperor now, and now they don't attack with the Brutal Cathar. Right. So it's just... One of those uh, Teferi here, Teferi three things where it's like, I don't know. Did we did we need another Teferi three effect? Like, did we? Yeah, but they did this one in a, in the right way, right? Remember, Teferi three turned off a bunch of stuff that I don't think play design intended for it to turn off. This is just during your turn. Opponents can still yeah. do all their cool stuff on theirs. I, I think this is fine. Yeah, that's true. But you have Teferi three that also like makes additional creatures. Like, I, I'd be okay if it was, like, a th four mana 4-4 four, four, or 3-4 that it is right now that just had the first ability. But, it, like, it's got to make more soldiers, too. And they're also artifacts, so it triggers all of your artifact energies. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. It's one of the best cards in the set, I think. It's just really good. Um, so there's a, there's a card that comes after this in line here, and you can see this if you're watching from YouTube. One with the multiverse. It's an eight mana enchantment. At Mythic, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library. Once during each of your turns, you may cast a spell from your hand or the top of your library without paying its mana cost. All, my, yeah, my, th like... my takeaway of this card is like, yeah, all that stuff sounds cool, but is it like the magic mirror, random like eight mana artifact that we'll never see play because you can't actually get to that point in the game where it's relevant? I think this is going to be like some omniscience-like payoff in Modern or Pioneer where you can have some sort of oops all spells deck and just go off, like a Goblin Charvelcher kind of thing. Um, I think the card is really cool. I think 8 mana is way too much for this effect, especially when there's the enchantment hate that is available in this set that we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, but it's, it's only once during your turn you can cast a spell without paying its mana cost, so it's like... You know, it's you can't just go off like like you could with like a uh, bolt citadel or something. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <clears throat> and then I thought this was like a frenzy, but yeah, yeah, it's not. You can only cast one of those cards for free, right? Because it says you may cast a spell from your hand or the top of the well paying its mana cost. So it's just whatever you have in your hand plus the one thing on top of your library. So that's at least free. But I'm I don't know how this is gonna work because I know it's a power stone set. Um, but like if you're trying to play power stone stuff and then you play this card by the time you get to eight mana, like what the top of your deck is like a power stone like <laughs> enabler and you're like, sick, I can play like these two like dirtly cards in this power stone card that's in my top of my <laughs> deck is what I see like most of the cases being. So I don't know if this card's gonna be good. We 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 already went off the last episode, okay, with me talking about the power stone stuff. You can't you can't make fun of my power stone stuff now, okay? Anyway, maybe you can. 
Um, Watch me. But anyways, I was just I was just gassing you up for content. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, one one with the multiverse actually is like a, you can cast two spells per turn. Like say you cast the first one off the top of your deck. Like okay, in Magical Christmas Land, you cast one with the multiverse somehow and you untap with it. Never gonna happen, by the way. There's an infinite enchantment removal in standard um, between like destroy evil, tear asunder, like. Even freaking hopeful initiate kills this thing. <laughs> like, when are you ever untapping with this? Anyway, in Magical Christmas Land, you untap with this, right? And then you get to cast one spell off the top of your library, and then like one spell from your hand. Like, is that worth it? No, uh, this card is none with the universe <laughs> multiverse. Okay, I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, you, you were waiting on that one. You were waiting to tell uh, me. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, even even Airball, the blue the blue white player himself, can't even get his mind around this card. Oh, we don't cast things eight mana at sorcery speed. We don't do that here. Yeah, you, I mean, I mean, you get close to it, right? Shark Typhoon, you cast that. Oh, when we're styling on you, sure. <laughs> like when the game's already won. <laughs> right. We're gonna move we on because uh, this card's probably just not yeah. gonna see play, right? You can cast it in the trash. That's what you can do with it. You're gonna wait. You can well, actually so. cast this in the trash. It's eight mana. Like it's a lot. Yeah, just, just cast it into the trash. You're good. You don't have to cast it. You just throw it. Uh, anyway, Gix Yagmoth Predator. It's a Three mana, three three, one in double black for a legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor. So I heard, from, I think, I think I, I'm gonna stutter 18 times while I say this, but mm. I think that this is the first Praetor ever, like before Shieldred and like in the lore, before Shieldred and Jinkataxius and all the other Praetors. This is the first one I heard from the lore. Am I right? I think you're right. But oh yeah, yeah, I'm it, not is. A person. it is because Gix was like the person who started doing like Yagma created Gix, I believe, first, and then it just popped off from there or something like that. Right? Okay. I know Shieldred's flavor text says Gix failed, I won't, which means Gix came before Shieldred. That's all I've got for you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for that. Okay, uh, let's, what does this card actually do, guys? Uh, mm. It's whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents. Its controller may pay one life. If they do, they draw a card. You can pay four black, 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 so seven total mana. Discard X cards. Exile the top X cards of target opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells from among cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. There's a lot of without paying their mana costs with these mythics, aren't there? But this Gix mm -hmm. card might actually be better. Uh, what, what, yeah. is, what is that uh, partner commander that's like a, an Orzov card that says this exact same text, right? Whenever a creature oh. you control deals combat damage to one of your opponents, draw a card and pay a life. For Timna? Each card. Timna, yeah. This, this is yeah. like a mono black Timna, right? Isn't this, yeah. isn't this just broken? I don't know yet, but it is a better one with the multiverse. <laughs> 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 Weirdly, Inter interesting evaluation. All right, he's hired. All right, <laughs> anyone want to hire Michael for a card evaluation? Mm. No, but uh, this this uh this card here, like, say you cast a one drop. Let's say say you're playing mono mono black aggro or something. Cast your one drop of all sleeper. Cast your two drop, um. Whatever two drop it is, even if even if it's Jadar, Jadar even better. You get a one one and a two two with it, or you, or you cast your um, your tenacious underdog. Okay, turn three you cast Gix. You attack with two of your creatures or three if it's Jadar on turn two, and then you draw three cards and lose three life. Like how? Like is tell me how that's how this works, right or no? Mm. That's how this works, right? 
No, I think whenever one of your opponents is controlled, may pay one. Whenever a creature deals combat damage, its control may pay one life. If they, oh, yeah. Yeah, because whenever any like, creature deals combat damage, you can pay a life yeah. and call a card. Yeah, so it's for each thing that hits. Yep. Wow. I think you're right. Okay, so when is this ever, like, not good? Like, e even even if it works even on itself. So you can cast this on an open board and just start attacking and and, and drawing cards? And the May part's really powerful, too. It's not a have-to. Right, if, if so it you was... can't just, like, deck out with it or something. Or die from paying the life. Or die from right. paying the life, yeah. And then the four and triple black, you would think is not relevant to discard X cards, but if you're discarding X cards, which means you're already drawing a lot of cards with Gix anyway, and then you can exile your opponent's top cards to the library and cast all of them without paying their mana cost. Not to mention that uh, I'm going to bring Power Stones into the mix again, that you can easily pay this if you're playing Power Stone, if you're playing um, any type of Power Stone synergy at all. Like, turn five or six, you can definitely... Turn four, five, or six, you can definitely pay this cost, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it's not—it's not actually true. Uh, It's—it's—it's it's not like a like a really difficult cost, even though it does say seven mana on it. Yeah, I think I think you're around thinking in the right lines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anything else on this airball? Yeah, I just want to point out that I think sometimes people overvalue effects like this. Um, yeah. because they think of it as like, I discard three, draw three, but you don't draw three. You draw three from the top of your opponent's library, and their cards on average are going to be worse for you than your own, otherwise you'd be playing them in your deck. So I think it's a little worse than it seems. I think it's also just still quite good. It's got it's a great late game sync, and the uh, combat damage ability is very relevant early on. There's also, there's also another thing. If you're drawing so many cards with this card already, and you have like a bunch of lands in your hand, or you know, one or two drops that you don't need anymore. Those cards can be, you know, pseudo-upgraded to very powerful cards off your opponent's deck that would otherwise not be meaningful to you at all. But also, I noticed just now that this is not a tap effect, so you can just do this. If, you, if, you're, if you're, like, way late in the game and you have, like, 12 mana or whatever, you can just, like, play this and then, and then pay the cost right away. Oh, one more observation. Um, in this set in particular, discard is a good outlet to have because of all the legendaries. Um, so you, there's a lot of ways to cycle away legendary cards that you wouldn't be able to play that would just be stuck in your hand for no value. And I also think uh, if you, some for some reason, you can untap with both into turn five with both Gix and Shieldred in your, in your battlefield, like you just win the game. I'm pretty sure it just says you win the game. Like, yeah, I don't I know how your opponent recovers from both Gix and... And uh, shields are just like you know waylaying all the all the value. Yeah, and, and even the even in mono black aggro or mono black mid range in standard, there is a notable drop off of power level on turn three. There's graveyard trespasser and Liliana of the Veil, and like that's it. And I think mono black has been missing like that turn three card. Right now they're playing like they're playing like soul transfer and mate, and I've seen even shakedown heavy. In some mono black mid range decks, and uh, this is way better than those. Oh, yeah. All right, moving on to the next one Draconic Destiny. One and double red enchantment aura. I don't think I've ever seen a card like this before. Like a mono red aura at, at Mythic Rare. I mean, yeah. it must be good, right? Uh, enchant, enchant creature. Enchant creature gets plus one, plus one, and has flying, haste, and. Pay one, generic mana. This creature gets plus one, plus O till end of turn. It's a dragon in addition to its other types. 
When enchanted creature dies, return Draconic Destiny to its owner's hand. So this is like a, a pretty expensive ranker, but gives every creature that it's on flying haste and fire breathing, and it's also a dragon. Yeah. So like yes. that's real I think I feel like they're like pushing the power level of an aura and being like, okay, well, what kind of expensive aura would be too broken? There's already been a card like this that I can think of that's like kind of like this. Like this returns to your hand, but there's also the flashback card, the the three mana Boros flashback card that gives two plus one plus one counters, uh, vigilance, haste, lifelink, and indestructible. I forgot what that card's called off the top of my head. Angel fire ignition. <clears throat> Angel fire ignition. Yes, it gives me like Angel fire ignition vibes. It has the same amount of same amount of mana. You can use it twice. Draconic destiny. You're probably only getting it to use it like once or twice or three times throughout the game. Because not only does it go to your hand, but then you have to cast it again on something else. Um, but it is reusable. It is a very powerful effect. Um, I'm curious to see how it will be used, though, because it's three mana, and you also pay, have to pay additional mana to fire breathe it. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's similar to that thing that we did in, uh, I forget what format, uh, Historic, possibly, where... You had Reggie, and then you put that like two or three mana black enchantment on Reggie, so yeah. it flew and just like flying <laughs> seven damage thing going towards you, or it like became eight or nine, something ridiculous. But Draconic Destiny kind of gives me the same flavors of that. And, um, but yeah, so I think it's interesting. I know we don't talk much about limited, but like if I ever see this card and my opponent has it in limited, I just like probably auto concede and be like, yeah, good games, dude. Do you <laughs> think that's why it made it mythic? <laughs> Do you think that's why I made yes. it a mythic? Because of it would be way too broken for limited. Like, how are you supposed to kill? Like, you you cast this on a card, and if you don't have instant speed removal, like right away, and we'll talk about some more instant speed removal cards as we go. But if you don't have it right away, you're like pretty dead, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I would imagine. So I guess it's mythic for limited. Maybe maybe it could be like a rare or something if it wasn't constructed. But um, curious to see what this card does. Anyway, yeah. Awaken the woods. This card is super interesting because I've never seen a card quite like this before. X and double green for a sorcery at Mythic. Create X 1-1 one, one green forest dryad land creature tokens. They are affected by summon sickness. Notably, don't have haste. But if, if you're watching this from YouTube and you see Michael Crit's mouth, I think that just draws like on the ground. Um, I... I didn't read that they were lands. <laughs> yes, they're lands. So it's a ramp spell, but it also is one ones. No, not like this. I hate <laughs> like this. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> if it sees play, that's, I don't like it. If it doesn't, I don't care. I mean, what do you think, Airball? First glance. Uh, my first broken thoughts were like Commander Landfall bullshit. Oh, um, geez. It counts as Landfall, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. God. Oh. Um, like, so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Fly laugh, all that, all that bullshit. But I'm trying to do some math to evaluate whether it's like good in standard. So, like, for every X you pay in addition to two, you get a land that is vulnerable to creature removal. So, like, you probably want to cast this. I'm guessing whatever deck wants this wants to cast it on turn three or four. Because after a certain point, ramping more than that doesn't really help. Um, so you're paying four mana, put two lands into play, probably, which is like that that can't do anything. So that's like a circuitous route. I think that's normal for this kind of effect. Right, but circuitous yeah. routes are common. Like this thing, this thing being a mythic, I think maybe have like other implications that we aren't thinking of. 
like it's it's like landfall they are forests they help cast they, they help pay for a lot of mana sinks that are in this set so far because uh, people are you're supposed to want to be like utilizing power stones also the the later and later the game goes like the better and better awaken the woods gets and you can't really say that with a lot of ramp spells like you have seven mana and like now you have five one ones with this card right so it, it gives me a little bit That's of like a uh like um i don't even know what other card does it's like march of the multitudes type card yeah but that was an instant yeah um, for sure i think something to kind of reevaluate this this card is virtual you have virtual lands and virtual like card advantage via creatures as well so like if you need a board stall this does the board stall while moving you ahead in mana and if that's like something that you want to do i don't know if it's like a sideboard card or something like that that's pretty huge implications i think so because you have blockers which can also be tap for land or they just it's like multifunctional. so i don't know how to really evaluate this card but it does make me think they're virtual lands and virtual creatures and it's kind of like it's kind of a kind of big value play at like turn four depending on what your opponent is doing so i don't know they also can't be affected by cards that say like exile target non-land permanent like bounce target non-land permanent you know there's a lot of cards that say that like borrow time is playing standard right now and enchant in like greenwood enchantments there's like uh a lot of cards that say non-land permanent like uh there's the the six mana white uh flash enchantment that had the domain the domain one i can't remember the names off the top of my head leyline binding. binding that says that not that you would actually want to remove a random one one but um this, the the fact that this pseudo ramp spell quote unquote gets better and better as the game goes on might make it worth being mythic but we'll see how it goes uh, I can I can see the mana being utilized in this uh, set for sure. Yep. Moving, moving on to another mythic here, we're going back to white in the trenches. This is a very interesting card. It's a one white white enchantment. Creatures you control get plus one plus one. So it's it's a anthem. We've already talked about that uh, jargon, MTG jargon, in a previous episode. So if you don't know what an anthem means, go back and listen to it. Um, you can pay five and a white. Exile target non-land permanent you don't control until in the trenches leaves the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery and only once. It'll be way more interesting if you could just keep doing this with how much mana you had, even though it's six mana, that you can just like do it every turn, but that'll be like way too broken, right? Yeah, and I think it's just like one of those weird things that could slide to the Esper decks, but I don't know. I don't know what you're gonna I can't evaluate this card. I, mean, I just I, don't I mean I think it has a spot in like like really low to the ground mono white. Uh, aggro and maybe like the uh, white blue soldiers deck that seems to be a thing in this set something that you would want to that you would want the buff on the creatures and also just is a removal spell later on in the game yeah i think it's gonna mirror us too like whichever mirror you're using it whether it's the white white aggro mirror or like the uh control mirror like it it could be decent i think it's kind of like a mirror breaker card if i think about it like how it's best utilized but yeah that's that's what i got <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen an exile clause that you can just use whenever on an anthem like how do you evaluate this hairball ah uh, really weird um <laughs> i know that's what i'm thinking it's it's cool that we see this once per game kind of effect for for a card right like usually it's activate only once per turn or whatever but this time it's like once per game which is interesting. For, I like, think instance six... of the card, right? Yeah, sorcery speed hurts this a lot. Um, six mana exile something at sorcery speed is just asking to get blown out a lot of the time, but it is just a strictly better anthem. So if your anthem was good, this will be better. 
Wait, it's only once through the whole game. With this one instance yes. of the card, yeah. I have never read something like that. That is super interesting. Okay. Yeah, there, there's uh, lands that were printed, I think, in the last set of the set before that they're like a tap land, but you can you can pay like four mana and tap it to, and draw a card, but you can only do it once. Those, those were the gates in alchemy, so those aren't real cards. Like, this is the first paper oh, those magic alchemy. card. Okay, it. okay. Yeah. Okay, so maybe, so maybe they liked that idea and wanted to like use alchemy as a little tester and then yeah. and then actually made it in this card. Stop yeah. talking about fictional cards, James. <laughs> no, I'm talking about a real card. It's called In the Trenches, you know, in in, in the Brothers War. <laughs> All right. Well, more more to real cards, like perhaps to fairy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, Jim, please. Oh no! Can we just skip this for Airball's sake? I just don't want to see him no. smile anymore. No. no, we get to, we get to let him have his win. Okay. We, we get, we get let him have, have okay. His okay. Wins. Okay. Okay. Airball, you want this win real quick? All right. How about you go over? It? I very much. All right. I'll let you go. All over right. It. it doesn't have any plus abilities. For zero loyalty, you get to draw a card. For uh, minus two loyalty, you create a 2-2 two -two blue spirit creature token with vigilance, and whenever you draw a card, put a plus one plus one counter on that creature. And then finally, the pièce de résistance, the minus 12, the <laughs> ultimate, target opponent chooses a permanent they control and returns it to its owner's hand, then they shuffle each non-land permanent they control into its owner's library. That ultimate is really cool, and I think it's going to be a lot easier to achieve that ultimate than it is to ultimate something like Teferi, Teferi Hero of Dominaria. Because you need to draw eight cards, whereas Teferi Hero Dominaria, you need to plus it eight, uh, four times over four turns. This is a pretty powerful one-sided board wipe effect, uh, and it rewards you for doing things that um, any deck that wants to run a five-mana blue Planeswalker is already trying to do. Draw a bunch of cards, defend itself, stall, and then wipe the board. Yeah. And, and for the record, I believe our podcast was kind of right about nailing this being the, the Planeswalker, like Teferi. Uh, through the Morrow, like, um, what do you call this? When he gave, like, the... The teasers last week. The teasers, yeah, we kind of nailed, like, it has to be Teferi, it has to be drawing cards, so, yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. That was super cool. Um, this static text, whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on Teferi, is absolutely busted. Can you imagine having, like, Silver Scrutiny in your hand, and your opponent, like, yeah, I can attack this Planeswalker down, and they attack it with like a Graveyard Trespasser and like another freaking random three-power three, three power card. You're like, yeah, I'm killing it. And then you're like, before damage, I'll draw three cards. And then um, Teferi stays alive, and they've just like, and Teferi's just alive, and you drew three cards, and you're like, I drew my board wipe. Sick board opponent. Like, Forget that. Imagine making the 2-2 two -two and drawing it instant speed to block that Graveyard yeah, that, Trespasser. That yeah, that too. Like, that too. This mm -hmm. card this card gains loyalty by you drawing your card in your draw step. Like, what? Yeah, the card is really wild now that I'm thinking about it. Because, like, the minus two, it's also whenever you draw a card, not, like, when you do the plus. Like, it's anytime you draw a card. So that's going to, it could really get pretty buff. And then, yeah, let's just say, like, also, like, they have an instant speed, like, damage to a Planeswalker. That's a huge tempo swing of, like, I'm going to draw cards and then your thing fizzles. Like, you just... Like, just say, you know, you draw two and they use the card on Teferi, that's like a three-card thing in your favor. Like, that's that's wild. Yeah, they, they, can, they can even go, like, you know, whatever card that kills Planeswalkers, like Cathartic Pyre or something, deal three damage to the Planeswalker, and then you're like, I'll draw a card in response. And now that was, like, they just threw away a card for, like, no reason. But I think yeah. the, the most powerful card about this, and you might not even get what I that situation I just said, like, off a lot, I think what's going to happen more often, this is like a plus two. It's not a zero, it's a plus two. Like, you draw for turn, and then you draw a card. Uh, and then you, it gets two more loyalty counters every time you, every time you like, go to your next turn. Um, yep. 
But what you do here is you play this, you minus two. Okay? And then, like, hope, like considering you're not playing the 2-2 two -two into just a board where you have to chump block with it, the 2-2 two -two lives, or you protect the 2-2, two -two, whatever you have to do. The next turn, you draw a card, it becomes a 3-3. Three -three. And then you, you zero this and draw a card, it becomes a 4-4. Four -four. Or, what you can also do is you draw your card for turn, it becomes a 3-3, three -three, and you get another loyalty counter on Teferi, and then Teferi goes to 3 loyalty, and then you minus 2 again. And now you have a 3-3 three -three and a 2-2 two -two and a 1 loyalty Teferi that your opponent's just never dealing with. And then every single turn, those 2-2s two are getting bigger and bigger just by you drawing a card for your turn, and not to mention you're also drawing cards off Teferi. I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like this like, could be just oppressive. I don't know. Yeah, I think that this card will this card will be better the better counter spells are in the format. Yeah. Because counter spells traditionally the way you mitigate opponents playing around them, you have to hold that mana if the opponent doesn't play into them is you play your card draw spells. You don't really want to be doing that on your turn, you want to be doing that on your opponent's turn, so you need something else to do with your mana other than draw cards or they'll just sort of kill you. Um counter spells right now are not very good. Um, other than something small like Disdainful Stroke. Like, you, you're not playing Cancel, you're not playing Sinister Sabotage, you're not playing um, a, a three-mana counterspell. Like, one right now is, like, Urtai Scorn and, like, Wash Away that you could play. Right. Um, that's... And you, you have to play... Uh, you have to play Black for that instead of White, which I think is a concession. Um, I, I'm not sure that this card will be good in Standard. Uh, I'm not even sure it will be good in Pioneer. But I think it will be... When the format is ripe, this card will come in and it'll do some damage. I, I, sure. I mean, I, I think this card will just go, like, you know, this card will swing for the fences as soon as it gets printed. Like, I know you're probably listening to this podcast, like, maybe a week before the set comes out. And, like, I don't know. I, I think I'm just going for, like, three of these immediately in, like, whatever <laughs> control deck I'm building. Like, can you imagine going, like, turn four Wandering Emperor into, like, turn five to Fairy Temporal Pilgrim? Like, how devastating is that for your opponent? Like, yeah, Shieldred does make this card very, very sad. Shield um, oh, yeah, Shieldred does before. make this card sad, so. but the 2 2 Blue Spirit creature tokens with Vigilance, by the way, we didn't even mention that yet. I mean, I know you mentioned it when you're going over the card, but they also have Vigilance. Like, why? Anyway, um, these can also just get just as big to block Shieldred after, like, what, three turns anyway? Two turns? So, who knows? Anyway, yeah. I think the card's like super powerful. Yeah. Moving on yep. to hostile negotiations. It's a four mana instant. And the bar's pretty high on four mana instants that aren't like a sweeper, right? But just wait till you hear this card. Exile the top three cards of your library in a face down pile. Then exile the top three cards of your library in another face down pile. Look at the cards in each pile. Then turn a pile of your choice face, uh, face up. Put that pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. You lose three life. I think you left out the part where the opponent chooses which pile you put into your hand. Did, yep. I, did I miss a line? There's so many lines on this card. It's the yes. most important line on the card. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, look at the cards in each pile, then turn a pile of your choice face up. An opponent chooses one of those piles. Put that pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. You, choose, you lose three life. So what is this, like factor fiction? Like, yeah. Fiction. like yeah like you turn you 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 exile the top three then you exile another top three another three it kind of reminds me of like what's that card atris mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me yeah. of that 
but it's like worded a little bit different than Atris. Mm-hmm. And, but you can you can still do like things with this card to out mind out mind game your opponent, which I, I like. I, I kind of like cards like this, and it's also just a four mana draw three when you think about it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, this card's like sick, and but like at the same time too, like I forget there's like articles or like some sort of clips or whatever that you could probably find on the internet. But there's a way to kind of deal with this to make like a a pretty good choice each time. And I don't know, I don't remember the heuristics on it, but there's there's a way to like go back to like faction fiction or the the card, the other card y'all mentioned before uh, the creature that like Atris. you can figure out address. You can figure out a way to essentially. Make sure that you don't go with like the worst pick. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I think I, it's a good I, card. I, I love the card design on this. Um, I I loved the mind game aspects of like Factor Fiction and Atris, but the worst part of those cards was people tanking, making their piles. <laughs> this one has the same like mind game element, but the piles are pre-made for you. You don't have any control over that, uh, barring like a brainstorm or something. And so the you get all the fun much faster, and you still get to draw three at a minimum. It's this is a great card. It's my favorite card of the set. Yeah, I think it's really good too. And I think this card might contribute to blue eye control going to Esper, or like blue eye control going to Demir control. If like there's more black cards, because we're gonna go over some black cards that are still in this in the bunch yeah. of cards in here that are really freaking good. Um, so who knows? This this one card says four minute instant speed draw three. Like right now. There's none of those in the standard. There's none of those like period a lot of the time, you know, like ever. So one one of one oh, of, just yeah. just having a card like this is just that much card advantage for one card is just insane. I mean, even even if you go even if you like you know turn a a, a pile that you think your opponent would pick face up and they pick the other pile and it's like two lands and a bad spell, you still paid four mana for three cards. Yeah, it's like better than treasure cruise in some way. <laughs> Excuse me? Hey, I know you didn't just say that. Oh my god. Like, I'm saying in some ways. I'm not saying in every yeah, case. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, saying yeah. Like, some ways you, you're paying four and it's an instant and you're getting to draw three cards. Like, people, a lot of times in Magic, like, Magic breaks sometimes when you just get to straight up draw three cards, no matter sometimes what the what the value, mana value of the card is. And, like, this is four, it's four mana every time, so you know that you're going to be it's like on curve, unlike Treasure Cruise, where it's like, maybe I'll get there, maybe I won't, maybe the leg's on my graveyard, XYZ. It's right. like, no, you have four mana, you can just do, you can just draw three cards straight up, and you get to hold it up. Like, that's, it's a wild effect. Like, the other, other only effect that we had like this rec- of recently was, what's that card's name that was, that had, um, from Caldime, the one that you can, like, uh, what was that thing where you could like kind of tuck it away in exile and they couldn't see what was happening? Oh, the oh uh, yeah, the, the um, I forgot, what's the mechanic of that again? Yeah, it was foretell was the mechanic, foretell. but I forgot that blue card because like a, a special thing happened was when it, you could do it. Was, at it seven. was it like behold the multiverse or? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and that card was super powerful, and it wasn't. I don't even think you got to draw three cards off of it. So, no, it like, was cry two, draw two, or something like that. But anyway, card might just have huge implications. So that's all my point is. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm playing a control deck and or, or like whatever deck, and I I pass with four mana up, and I'm playing white mana, my opponent doesn't attack be, because I think I have Wandering Emperor, and then I and step play this and I draw three. I feel like the game's already over. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, like like I win whenever you resolve this on a, on a you know 
Anyway, um, next one is called Over the Top. Uh, I mean, I guess Hostile Negotiations is a pretty over-the-top card itself, but uh, I guess it's a good segue transition into this card. Well over the Top is a seven-mana... Oh, thank you. Seven-mana sorcery for double red. Five in double red. Okay. I need to wrap my mind around a seven-mana sorcery. Each player reveals a number of cards from the top of their library equal to the number of non-land permanents they control. Puts... Wait... Yeah, puts all permanent cards they revealed this way onto the battlefield and puts the rest into their graveyard. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What? what? This is some different version of chaos. Right? Isn't, isn't this just like you play this and then the commander pod goes crazy? Or is, is that like the only situation I can see this card being played? Maybe in like older formats, like like modern or something. Because there's like mana. other. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I don't know. Like it's like one of those things where it's just like you have to make sure that your deck has bigger hits than your <laughs> opponents. Uh... So you just fight rigging this thing out? I have no idea. What if you just like fight rigging this thing out and have a bunch of random treasures and 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 power stone tokens lying around and your opponent doesn't and you get a bunch of cards and your opponent doesn't? That's what I'm saying. There's a card in like modern that like you get to like uh for every permanent on the battlefield, you kind of just like you like sack or you put those into your deck and then you draw like another seven or something. It's like a bunch of ETB effects that make other tokens and like and just wildness so there's a bunch of game objects it's like a game object sorry it's a game object mechanic like it does well when your deck can just have a bunch of etbs and game objects isn't that just like is it called like warp world or something like that i don't remember what it is off the top of my head what what, what do you think about this card airball it's kind of got this interesting challenge to it, right? Like, you want to set up for it by having a bunch of non-land permanents in play, which probably means having a bunch of cheap crap. But that means <laughs> that most of your hits off of it are also going to be cheap crap. Um, so it's it's got, like, a weird deck construction paradigm, and the fact that it can benefit your opponent way more than it benefits you probably 25% of the time makes it worse. Like, a lot worse. I think this I think is just this is like, like... A great... Go ahead. I think it's like a, a a great fun commander card. I don't see it having applications in standard. I think like I, I think seven's too much, and I don't. I think it's too hard to build around. Yeah. Do you think this pushes like you know red based group hug decks over the top? I don't even think so. Like I still think the your the threshold that we're trying to think of what you're trying to meet is just game objects. Your your deck has to make like make a whole bunch of blood tokens, power stone tokens, clue tokens. Like on top of the cardboard's already slamming onto the table, like that's your objective, and your your opponent doesn't have this virtual card advantage. So like even in a commander deck, we're talking about commander stuff. It's like we well, just need to make sure all your stuff makes more stuff, and that's yeah, the only way like, you capitalize you're, you're, you're on. You're gonna play this because you just want everyone to have a chaotic time. You're not playing this card because you think it's good or anything. You just want to yeah. you just want to like mess up the whole board and just be chaotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. L- let me make this card my commander, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I said, I said, do you think it pushes it over the top as you know a joke? Because this card's got over the top, but you guys just uh, did just went way over your head. Uh, anyway, went over our heads. Oh, <laughs> oh God! It went over the top of your heads. I, I, I think okay. I, we're, wow. we're over uh, this card. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, next up is a better card. I promise. It's uh, Titania, Voice of Gaia. 
One and double green for a flip card. Three. It's a 3-4. Legendary creature elemental with reach. Whenever one or more land cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere, you gain two life. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are four or more land cards in your graveyard and you both own and control Titania Voice of Gaia and a land named Argoth Sanctum of Nature, which we'll go over later on in the podcast, exile them, then meld them into Titania Gaia Incarnate. Titania Gaia Incarnate says it's a legendary creature elemental avatar with XX as its power and toughness. It has vigilance, reach, trample, and haste. So this thing's coming at you. Titania, Gaia Incarnate's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control, which uh, is, spoiler alert, a lot. Um, when Titania enters the battlefield, return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Oh, oh, it's even more than I thought. Uh, you can also pay three and a green. Put four plus one plus one counters on target land you control. It becomes a zero zero elemental creature with haste. It's still a land. So it's kind of like a Nissa who shakes the world effect. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a that's a lot to go over. I I ran out of breath already talking about it. But uh, what do you, what do you think? Titania Voice of Gaia. Are we flipping this? Like, are we just using this for a three four Reacher for three? It seems already pretty good. Like, it gains a lot of life. What do you think? Uh, I don't. I I don't think it's a car. Quick quick like assessment. I don't think it's a good card. I don't. I don't know what you're really going to be doing here. Um. And I don't know if you're ever going to get to Titania Gaia Incarnate uh, easily. So I, I'm not I'm not too hot about this card. You don't think you can get to this easily? Not really, no. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of like the 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 gain life fetch lands in the in standard yeah. right now, and you can play like a whole bunch of cards that fuel the graveyard with lands. Like there's also like cards that pitch lands, Fable the Mirror Breaker pitching lands. Like it's pretty easy to get four lands in the graveyard. The only thing the only problem I think I have with this card and getting it off is that. Um, it's the beginning of the upkeep trigger, so it's like you're you, you have four lands in your graveyard, and you have a Gaia or a Titania voice of Gaia on the battlefield, and your opponent has to just like stop everything. Okay, we have to kill Titania, or it's gonna like evolve into Gaia incarnate. Yeah, and you have to have the Argoth land too. So unless I mean, yeah, I don't know. It just seems difficult to pull off. Perhaps that's that's my assessment. I think it's pretty cool with uh, Soul of Wind Grace. Um, oh yeah, you're already motivated to put lands in the battlefield. There, you can use Soul of Wind Grace's ability to put lands in the battlefield. We already saw early in the standard that getting lands into the battlefield isn't that difficult when you have the um, the Streets of Nukapenna, um What are they called? Evolving Wild Effect. Lands. Yeah, the, the gain like fetch lands. Exactly. Um, I, and Fable of the Mirror Breaker, obviously, is great to discard cards. There's a good number of loot effects in the format. I think that this... I don't think you're going to be flipping it a lot, but I do think that it's going to be such a must-kill threat that it might make your Soul of Wind Grace or, like, other mid-range game plan live. I think it's cool. And if you're playing a Jun mid-range deck, you have to go super hard into green to play Titania, though. It's, like, one in double green, which, I guess if you're playing the fetch lands, there's, there's the Naya fetch land. And there's the John to fetch lands, yeah. and they're both green. So there's yeah. like eight right there that can fetch for green, which like is which is like is it isn't that hard to do? Plus, it's just oh. a three mana three four reach, so it's like really good stats for three mana too. Yep, and you can trigger it its ability immediately with those fetch lands too. You're you're basically guaranteed to gain two life off of it if you can uh, uh, sacrifice one of those right away. Yeah, and um, there's also a. Uh, 
There is also a card in the set, I believe, that makes maybe it's just a command. I think it's I maybe mean, it's just a commander card, the one that makes all of your lands basic in your deck. Mm, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. So like maybe you can search for type for the land that you need with this with like the fetch basic land. Maybe I'm yeah. not sure because that's the only line. I, I think it's a forest. Up. But anyway, regardless regardless of that, it might not come up as often. But Titania Gaia Incarnate. Let's just talk about that for a little bit. Like. What happens when Voice of Gaia flips, right? It's if, if you're playing that type of deck where you have a bunch of fetch lands and they're all going to your graveyard, and maybe you play some mill strategies with like teachings of the Kieran or something to mill your lands and bringing them back with with uh, with uh, Soul of Wind Grace, and you just have a lot of lands in your graveyard at this point because that's what your deck does because you're playing Titania, and then this card is an XX when it comes on the battlefield. Maybe it's like a five five or a six six, but then it ETBs. And it brings all of your lands back again from your graveyard to trigger all over again. And now this is like a 10 10 or like a 9 9 or whatever. And it has vigilance, reach, trample, and haste. So, like, if this doesn't say like win the game on the spot, like, I don't know what does. It has vigilance, so it can't even get wandering emperor. Like, I mean, what happens when Gaia incarnate comes down? Like, that, like, that's what's going to make Titania Voice of Gaia, the three drop, just such a must answer threat, especially when the land's on the battlefield. Yeah. But yeah, I can see. I, I I can even see mono green playing this. Like, I I can see I can see a lot of different decks like trying this out. Um, who knows whether you're, someone's ever going to get Titania Gaia Incarnate off? But I think it's an interesting card on the list. Yes. Um, we're gonna go over the next one. It's called Siege Veteran. It's a two and a white for a two two human soldier. Soldier is gonna be a big thing in this set. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Whenever another non token soldier you control dies, create a one one colorless soldier artifact creature token. So it does contribute to artifact, artifact landfall, not landfall for artifacts, but, you know, artifact ATB synergies. Uh, they are colorless soldier artifacts creature tokens, so it's another soldier. So a lot of soldier buffs will buff those as well. And also it's like a Luminarch Aspirant for three. Luminarch Aspirant's a two-mana one-one, which gets under counterspell, so I understand how that's much better than this. But it's a three-mana two-two that puts plus one, plus one, plus one counters on things, and it's also a soldier itself. So how do you evaluate this card? I'll start with the Eurobal. Yeah, I had the same first thought that you and probably everyone else looking at it did, which was that it's um, time-walked Luminarch Aspirant, right? Like, it's it's three mana instead of two, and the plus one, plus one counter is, like, on top of it immediately for that turn two play. So it's worse than Luminarch Aspirant quite clearly without that second line of text. And I was waiting until the full spoiler came out to decide um, how much soldier support there was. I think this is probably better in Mono White than Luminarch Aspirant was. Because I think in order to play Mono White, you need to lean heavily into the Soldier archetype anyway, and I think the support for it is pretty good. I think this card is great. Yeah, not- notably that, uh, you know, Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, is a Soldier. There's a lot of cards that are, like, already Soldiers that Mono White already plays. What do you think, um, Michael? I think everything that uh, that needs to be said about this card has been said between you two, and like, yeah, I just agree. Mono, it's good in mono white. I don't think there's much debating that. Like, it's just going to be good in mono white. You put in your mono white deck that runs soldiers, and you have a good thing going on. Also, protects against sweepers, right? There's not many things in mono white. Usually, things in mono white or like a white card like this will say like, give something indestructible. But this one actually gives you one one bodies after you get swept. Which is super yeah, freaking like relevant. Annex. Yeah, it's it's like annex in that way. It's super relevant. It does say non-token soldiers, so if you make soldiers with this already and it gets swept, like yeah, the token soldiers will die and not create one ones. But 
for every non-token soldier you control that dies, which will be your whole board because you're playing soldiers, um, it will definitely make it harder to play cards like Depopulate or Drag to the Bottom against uh, this card. You're gonna you're gonna want to have to like remove this first and then drag it to the bottom, which just adds another layer of annoyance to an already annoying deck, <laughs> right? Yeah. All right, our next card, Sky Strike Officer, two and a blue for a human soldier. It's a rare again. It's a two three flyer. When Sky Strike Officer attacks, create a 1 1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. Tap three untapped soldiers you control, draw a card. I saw on Twitter someone saying, like, this breaks soldiers. But, I mean, it's not even a but. It's like, I think this card's really good. A three minute 2 3 flyer is, like, not nothing. It's not three power flyer like you would want, like, your three drop to be. But whenever this attacks, you make a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. Again, like how many, there's so many things that make 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature tokens. We just talked about one that's going to make a bunch of them. Then this one makes even more of them. When it attacks is, is cool because it has evasion. You're not worried about an attack trigger that they can just get blocked right away. And you also just have a, a, a consistent draw engine with this. If you're in a board stall, it reminds me of like the one mana blue one one flash spirit creature that if you don't really interact with it or that maybe there's a board stall, you just get to draw your whole deck. Yeah, it was making me think of Cryptbreaker. Uh, yeah, Cryptbreaker uh, too. Yeah. 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 I I I think this card's interesting. Um and I you know, I don't know if it breaks the soldier thing by itself, but I think it lends itself really strong strongly to the soldier um deck that is going to be made off of this because i think the biggest part is the evasion and then the evasion helps activate the second part of the card which is create a one one color soldier uh, artifact creature token and then you know if your opponent's not dealing with your board you kind of just get to you know cement your advantage by doing the crypt breaker type effect so i think it's i think it's cool yeah i don't think i'm as high on this card as you guys are um i think it's obviously like limited bomb great in board stall situations. oh yeah but outside of like board stalls, um, the card has to attack, so like it needs to live for an entire turn cycle. Yep. And the second line of text is only relevant if you already had three untapped soldiers, um, which is, if you had that and it wasn't a board stall, you were probably already dominating the game anyway, and you probably should just be attacking. So I don't know. It, it will depend a lot on how boards, how often board stalls happen in the format. And otherwise, it's just like a two three. That doesn't really achieve all that much. Yeah, I, I think yeah. the drawing the drawing of this card isn't going to be as relevant when it's like when you're playing the aggro ver deck against like a mid range uh, control based mid range deck or control deck. But uh, a lot of decks like this have really interesting mirror match mirror matches where it's like a super board stall where the board gets like fifteen creatures wide, and, and you're just waiting for like a creature to. Or a certain card, like like a past card, like a breakable formation or something, to like go over the top and kill them. And if one person has this card and the other person doesn't, and it's a soldier mirror match, or even soldiers against mono white or something, soldiers wins every time. It like not even close. The soldiers, the soldiers player is going to have like seven cards in hand, and the the mono white aggro or whatever is going to be top decking. Um, also, sky strike officer ha uh, also includes itself, so you only have to have two other ones other than this because you can tap it. Also, it works very well with vigilance creatures. Where you can just attack and also just tap them. Um, so it, it depends on how many vigilance, um, how many vigilant soldiers there are. I'm not sure if there are any off the top of my head, but that makes this card even better. 
And it's also a flying soldier, which is interesting. Uh, also, like a lot of like blue white aggro, like mono white aggro type of decks don't have a lot of flying. I can think of like a late spellbinder as one of them, and there's also just a flyer at some point in time in like the old white weenies decks that like if you have ten permanents on the board, it gains flying. I forgot what like mechanic that was, but uh, you, you yeah. remember uh, that card? Sky Mar- Sky Mar- yeah, Sky Marcher, Sky Marcher, Aspirant, something like that. Like that was yeah. really annoying when when it when it actually got flying and started killing you. So like I, I can th- I can see it being a thing, but it's just something that we'll have to wait and see. Yep. All right. Moving on to a card that has like a lot of hype, and uh, you know what? I, I think I should let Michael read this one because it's probably right up, right up his alley. Um, oh yeah, I'll give Michael the floor on this one. Okay, so we're talking about Misery's Shadow, one and a black, two two creature shade. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead, and it has one Misery Shadow gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Uh, just a fantastic, just a fantastic card. Fantastic card design. Um, I, I do like it a lot, especially in like uh, sideboard implications. Seems really sweet, even in the main board. And uh, because it's a mana sink to kind of push through, it makes it hard to block for your opponent because you're like, your opponent doesn't know if you are trying to bluff or, you know, they should put their creature in front of your your misery shadow or if you have something that you really want to do on your second main phase so i think it's because the card is so flexible and has a static effect like exiling your opponent's uh creatures it's really interesting um yeah that's that's all i gotta say about it yeah it also says it is also like a lot of effects like this usually say like non-token creatures but it's like any creature which is pretty pretty cool um I don't know how much the the one mana getting one plus one plus one counter until but well, not counter getting plus one plus one until end of turn is going to matter, but it's going to make your opponent's blocks like super tricky. Like your mm-hmm. opponent's going to like double block in really weird spots where they shouldn't because they they want to kill the misery shadow, and if they don't, you're just going to pay mana to eat their creature for free. Um, so, but I'm I'm more interested in like this card in sideboards because usually the cards that do that in Pioneer specifically are. Like four mana. There's like Kalidus that does that, and like what other card really does that outside of like that's less than four mana? I can't really think of one off the top of my head. If you wanted a cheap it's... way to remove your opponent's creatures um, from you know, I mean, stop them from going to the graveyard, specifically like Cauldron Familiar and stuff like that, this is a good two mana way to do that. So I, I'm curious to see if this takes it. It's like re- it's rest in peace on a stick, but it's like way easier to interact with, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the stick is is much easier to the interact stick. with, right? Like, yeah, uh, and it only affects creatures, um, so it doesn't disrupt uh, other combos. Yep. Yeah, but I I think if you're gonna have this effect, like Kalidus is just a much better card is like a much better card than this. But it is a two mana two two, and it does get bigger. Um, I don't know. I th- I think I just like Kalidus more than this if I had to choose, even though Kalidus is two more mana in, in Pioneer. But in Standard, I don't think there's a card like this. But I also, in standard, don't really think there's many cards that really care about going from field to the graveyard outside of, like, Tenacious Underdog, right? Right. Um, I mean, it, it's, it can be nice to have creatures not be in graveyards for things like Corpse Appraiser. Um, keeping graveyards clean affects, like, 
unlicensed hers and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I don't think it's as relevant and standard as it is in other formats. Yeah, yeah I, I'd agreed. be surprised. Actually, I think I'd be surprised if this saw play over a card like, you know, Tenacious Underdog or whatever other two drop that uh, you want to play. But sure. I, I also kind of wouldn't fault you for playing this. Uh, let's go to the no. next one. Mechanized Warfare. It's one and double red for an enchantment. Red's coming in hot with the enchantments. Mm. If a red or artifact source you control would deal damage to an opponent or permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much damage plus one instead. So it's got like a little Torbrani feel to it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, how do you feel about this, Michael? Uh, it's hard to evaluate because this like does really <laughs> well in like red decks that have um, that's aggro that has a, a mixture of like powerful creatures or fast efficient creatures and efficient direct damage stuff and i'm not quite sure with uh this what's offered in the spectrum of standard in regards to standard of what this can imply because you really this this type of thing really excels is like i said in the mixture of efficient creatures and efficient damage to any target type of thing if those two things aren't really met, I don't know how this is going to really be used or in which way. So I am... Oh, it's red for red or artifact source. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just not... I don't know how to process this within the, the premise of at least standard. I mean, is, is this worth the card, Airball? What I was trying to figure out. So I think that... You, what's it replacing? What's the opportunity cost of playing this card? And... For a three mana card, it's probably a three three. In red, it's probably got haste, uh, or it's like a combination of a one drop and a two drop, or something like that, that you'd be using the mana for instead. It's like a reckless stormseeker. Those, yeah. So that's probably gonna do three damage just on the turn it comes into play. That stormseeker is, and it's gonna it's recurring damage after the fact as well. So warfare at a minimum, you need to expect it to do three damage to outweigh a card like that, and probably a little more, because Stormseeker might get in more than once. I don't think this card makes the cut anywhere. I think it does make the cut, and here's why. And not in the main deck. I think it's good in best of three against control decks and uh, um, controlling mid-range decks. Especially when you're playing against certain colors that can't exile enchantments, like uh, you know blue-black control or something with white because uh, i don't know if you noticed but in standard no one ever no one plays march of the otherworldly light anymore because the creature lines don't don't exist in standard anymore have the eye tyrant den of the bugbear those are the main reasons why you want you really wanted to play that march of the otherworldly light in your deck but people aren't playing that anymore and they're playing more cards like um destroy evil and cards like that but if you're post board against mono red are you keeping destroy evil in your deck probably not because you're playing against cards that have three, two, and one toughness, and you're never going to kill an enchantment. Well, the Romano Red deck brings in Mechanized Warfare, and it turns all of your creatures into, like, mini double versions of the creature. So, it doesn't matter if you keep sweeping them, you're going to have, like, any creature that's on the board that remains with Mechanized Warfare on the board, um, it's going to do, it's going to act like it's two creatures. Um, which and it makes play with fire deal three damage, it makes lightning strike deal four damage. I, I think this actually is relevant post-board against control decks. But it, the other thing that would feel like two creatures would be if you played a creature instead of Mechanized Warfare, right? Well, right, but if, the, like if that other creature, creature instead of Mechanized Warfare gets swept, um, then you're out, you're out the creature, like forever. But with this, sure. it's like throughout the course of the game, I think this will do more damage than a creature that gets removed. 
even if that creature had haste because let's say that creature had haste and it's reckless storm seeker against control even though reckless storm seeker is very good against control anyway so maybe this would just come in instead of like a different card but let's just say for example that the the card that this would be is three damage this card by itself will do way more than three damage throughout the course of the game if that one creature that you played in the spot gets removed immediately with the infinite removal spells that the control deck has so i think this yeah, you does like at least opponent. five damage yeah, you, you need to, like, how many times can you hit your opponent after this comes into play? And if I think if it's more than four, it's worth it. And if it's less, it's not. And I, I think yeah. it'll depend on what the other cards are. Yeah, I personally think it is, it is more than four because any single creature, it, it makes every creature, like, think about your, your control player in this instance, right? And your opponent plays, like, I don't know, a Monastery Swiss Spear because, okay, spoiler alert, that's in the set. We'll talk about that later. But your opponent plays a single Swiss Spear. Like, it does two damage now, which is not nothing. And now you have to actually care about this Swiss Beer. You have to, it, it makes you actually have to care about some random creature on your opponent's board. And I think that's very relevant against Control. I think we're all speaking the same thing, but yeah, like, I think fair. the point that I'm driving is like there needs to be a good, healthy balance for mono-red, like a, a strictly mono-red deck that has a good balance of efficient creatures and efficient direct damage to any source, or to any like target. If those things aren't if those two things don't meet, then this card can't really perform like you would like it to because there exists removal, there exists sweepers, you know, it makes it harder. The thing that you're saying against a control deck, it makes it harder for a control deck to interact with you when something like this exists when you have both efficient creatures and efficient direct damage stuff because they don't know how to, they have to hope that their cards line up correctly to deal yeah. with you efficiently as answers to this question. If you if you lean more towards creatures or you lean more towards uh, efficient direct damage, a control deck can slot into that and kind of mess you up. So the the two like perfectly balanced things of efficient creatures and efficient direct damage stuff needs to be met in order for this card to kind of get yeah. there. Yeah, I, I do think that this kind of like puts a different axis on mono red that the control deck might not be uh, thinking about and being prepared for. All right, moving on to the next one. Kate, and this is a, a series of commands that we're going to go over. There's five different ones. The white one is called Kayla's Command. One and double white for a sorcery. Choose two. Create a 2-2 two -two colorless construct artifact creature token. Put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control. It gains double strike till end of turn. Search your library for a basic planes card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand, then shuffle. And you gain two life and scry two. Uh, which, which modes are you two using with this? I would say uh, probably the colorless construct and the plus one plus one on a creature. Maybe sometimes the planes, but probably the first two. Yeah. More often than like, not. Like, are you ever just gaining two life and scrying two as a part of a three mana sorcery? I don't know. I feel it's like the... it's, I think like this said gain two life, scry one, draw card. It'd be like much better, but isn't that like a blue card? I don't know. What do you think, Airball? So I was thinking that um, maybe you would do something like that in the sad case where you don't have a creature on the board already. But I actually think that the way this card resolves, and I might need a judge, you can create the construct and put the plus one, plus one counter on it on the same that, that turn. That is true. It, it resolves in sequence. Uh, yeah. But you have to target, I right? Don't, yeah. uh, no, because no. it just says on a creature you control. Right, yeah, it, it doesn't the, target. Like so the, you can make the two two and put a one one counter on it. But is is that is a three mana three three 
like good enough for a three mana sorcery? Um, I think as like the fail state of the card, that's not that's not a bad floor. And sometimes it's just going to win you games coming off the top when you have one creature and it just sneaks through an extra five damage because uh, you have a four forward play or something, and the opponent thought that they could tap out. That's true, but I like this card kind of reminds me of like Cabaretti Charm, and that card's not even good, and that's an instant. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's good. I, I think White has better three drops, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's awful. I think this is like I, I this is like something really cool limited card, but I don't I don't see myself ever playing this card in, in like a mono white deck. Yeah, this this deck would be this card would be even more powerful. Like even if you did four mana and it was an instant, then I'd be like, all right, maybe we're talking about something. But like because it's a sorcery, it really like loses percentage points in my mind, especially yeah, sure. in, a, in a mono white deck. Yeah. Imagine if this was an instant and you can like plus one plus one counter and double strike like after blocks. Like that'd be really yeah. cool. Sick. Like, like imagine make a two-two and then give another thing plus one plus one and double strike, and then you can just like blow out your opponent with this. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe maybe wizards just thought it was too good if it was an instant. Um, yeah. All right, let's move on to Urza's command. Oh gosh, it's a four mana instant. Um, choose two creatures you don't control get minus two minus O oh, until end of turn. Wait, Airball, you say the rest of it. This is probably your command. Really? You're going to hand it off to me before you read yeah. the second mode, which is create a tapped Power Stone token. Yeah, I wanted you to, I wanted you to read that because it's just funny. All right, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. All right, the third mode, create a tapped zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. So it's a car instruct. And the last mode is scry one, draw. Well, Mr. Powerstone, Stan, <laughs> what do you think of this card? I mean, this is not cryptic command, not even close. Like, how does Urza's command as a monoblue command not counter a spell? Like, I, 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 don't actually, I don't actually understand. It doesn't counter anything. It doesn't even counter anything conditionally. It doesn't even counter, like, an artifact. I, I, don't, I don't know. Why does this not counter a spell? I don't know. But you can do the cool thing, like creatures you don't control get minus 2, minus 0, oh, and then make the card instruct and then blow them out that way. Or you can just make two power... Wait, you can't make two power stone tokens. Um, but you could make a power stone token and then make a card instruct, and that counts as two artifacts for, like, a following play. You could do that. Uh, you can scry one, draw a card, and, you know, pseudo-fog your opponent, I guess, if you're just, like, grasping at straws or something. I, I think this card could definitely be better. Like, when are you ever creating a tapped power stone token unless you're playing a deck based around that? Um, I, I would I would think that the, in order to get really good use out of artifacts, they, they would need this card to have like convoke or something. Even though convoke isn't really a mechanic that's in this in this set for some reason. Um, not not convoke the 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 uh, affinity right. Like I don't, I don't I don't really know how to how to evaluate this other than like maybe it can blow out your opponent when they attack you, but that's a four mana card. Like if you're if you're playing this against an aggro deck, wouldn't you just want a sleeper if you're playing like blue light control? And like, are you playing Urza's command in mono blue? I I, I don't I don't yeah. even really know. I look at the last two modes and I think worse shark typhoon. <laughs> like, you you have the two modes. You make a big creature, you draw a card. It's like cycling a shark typhoon, except it's counterable. It needs existing battlefield support uh, to be any good at all, um, and you can't scale it with your mana. Uh, so I I think this card is pretty poor. Like, like, I, 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 like, I just it. wish this card was better. Like, there's so many ways it could have been better, but maybe they're just trying to, like, scale down a card that, like, could have been as good as Cryptic Command, right? 
Yeah, that is just also just like this. This is supposed to be for a deck that cares about artifacts. There's really no other way to say it. Like, that's the only way this this deck, this card is good. So well, that's well, all. I mean, yeah, if you're playing like a, you know, Tezzeret deck or something where I can see Tezzeret seeing a lot more play now that there's an artifact set that you could probably with the proper setup and maybe your deck already does this anyways and makes a bunch of Power Stone tokens. I don't know. Maybe you play Karn. Um you can make a Tats Power Stone token and make like a 9 9 construct. Like, that's good enough for four mana. Like, yeah. the construct and the Power Stone count towards the power and toughness of the construct. So, if you already have like three or four random artifacts on the battlefield, like you have a Bank Buster sitting there, you have a couple, you have a treasure token sitting there, you have a couple Power Stones sitting there, all of a sudden, this construct is like a 7 7. And uh, yeah. I mean, that's good enough for an instant speed four mana card, right? Sure. Yeah, so like very like this cards I think is not good unless you're it's in a very niche deck, but in that specific deck I think it's really powerful. Yep. All right, moving on to Gix's command: five mana sorcery. Choose two. Put two plus one plus one counters on up to one creature. It gains lifelink till end of turn. Destroy each creature with power two or less. Return up to two creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Each opponent sacrifice a creature with the highest power among creatures they control. This is five mana. And it's a sorcery. Like, mm -hmm. this card has to be better than Cruelty of Gix, right? In order to even exactly. see play in a deck. Exactly. And, and yeah, I understand that you can do, do the destroy each creature with power two or less mode and that each opponent sacrifices a creature with the highest power among creatures you control. I understand, like, you can do that, so if your opponent's board state is, like, a little diverse, you might be able to kill most things, but it's a five-mana card. Like, you would think that it's a five-mana card, you can you should be able to kill everything, right? It should be, like, a Shadow's Verdict or something. Not, like, a conditional, maybe, hopefully, pray that you get rid of their board. Um, mm -hmm. Putting two plus one plus one counters on up to one creature and getting lifelink, like, I don't know, would you ever do that for five mana? Like, I guess you could do this plus regrow up to two creatures from graveyard to your hand. But like, how dirtily does your deck have to be for this card to be good? Like, I don't know. How do you evaluate this, guys? Uh, if you're ahead, this card is great. Like, <laughs> if the, the, the part that you mentioned, like, if you're ahead, you want the plus one, plus one counters, plus the return the creature's cards from your graveyard to your hand. That's really great. Um, I think, like, sorry, I should have said this before I even started. This is a cyborg card. Like, I, I don't really care to process it really in terms of, like, main board or it belongs in a deck. It's like, depending on the meta, this is a cyborg card. And if it the meta doesn't, you know, call for it, then it's a doesn't see play card. I don't know. What do you think? I think all? that's pretty much exactly. I think that's pretty much exactly right. Um, but I do want to point out that it. You, you were saying that oh, you would expect to be able to wipe the entire board for five mana. But I think part of the point of this card is that you're supposed to play it with creatures with power two or more, so that you can, with the proper deck construction, make it a one-sided board wipe. Because um, mm -hmm. if it said destroy all creatures, then you'd have to destroy your own stuff, too. I think they're trying to force you to build a deck in a certain way. Right, but isn't there, like, the malicious malfunction, and there's a bunch of cards that are, like, way less mana that do this if you're already... If that's the game plan, there's so many cards. There's already, like, a couple cards in standard right now that deal minus two, minus two to everything, or minus three, minus three to everything. Like, there's at least two <laughs> cards right now that I can think of off the top of my head that do minus two, minus two to everything. And I understand that Gates' demand command kills certain cards that don't have two toughness, like, you know, Rafine. That this card kills if Rafine doesn't have you know three or more power. There's a there's a few more cards that I can think of that have less power but more toughness. But like yeah. 
like are you are you boarding this in against that or are you just boarding in a card that can just say like a po target opponent sacrifices target rafine right wouldn't you like rather have that card because that card's probably three mana or two mana yeah, yeah. I, I think this is like classic um magic players overvalue flexibility as opposed to mana efficiency kind of thing it, it mm -hmm. looks good because it can do a bunch of different things but in practice it's just too expensive at doing any one of them right yep all right, moving on to Mishra's Command, which is a little bit a little bit better on the mana, potentially, if you want it to be. It's an X and a red sorcery. Choose two. Choose target player. They may discard up to X cards. Then they draw a card for each card discarded this way. This spell deals X damage to target creature. This spell deals X damage to target planeswalker. Target creature gets plus X plus O and gains haste until end of turn. Uh, Michael. Which modes are you yes. using with this? Uh, I mean, I think the first one and possibly the second one more often than not, if I was going to use this card. Like, the, the X to target Planeswalker and target creature gets plus X is kind of just, like, niche, depending on, like, you know, the game state. but um, Or, like, the plus X plus O could also... And the game. Um, it's also not instant, obviously, but yeah, I, I think it's the first two more often than not. That's what I'm gonna say. All right, for you, Airball, because I, I know I know I know what I'm gonna say about this card. Um, I just want to hear what you say first. This card reads combo enabler to me. Um, like dig for your combo piece. If that combo piece is a creature, it puts it in play, you can give it haste, kill someone right away, and it also mm -hmm. keeps you alive by killing whatever creature might be attacking you. This is like one of those cases where I think the flexibility is actually pretty good if you can put it in the right deck, like an indomitable creativity kind of thing or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it being sorcery speed just like makes it way, way less good. Mm -hmm. But I think casting Mishra's command for X equals like two or three is really strong to be in a Boros reanimator deck when you have invoke, invoke justice. And right now that deck's playing like Cathartic Pyre, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and... Uh, they're playing, you know, a bunch of discard outlets and things. Maybe you play Big Score, maybe you don't. But Mishra's Command kind of combines the thing that Big Score does, but also can kill something. So, say you cast this for, you know, three mana, and you get to kill their creature and discard two cards and draw two cards. That's, like, really good, right? Especially because that's what your deck already wants to be doing. Uh, I think since it can do both of those... And it's X and one red instead of like way more. Um, you can just kill a Thalia with this if you want to. You can just like pay three mana, X equals one, kill the Thalia, discard draw, which is like not the worst, especially if your deck already wants to discard. Um, yeah. The the fact that this says that both modes is number one, a different mode is X to a creature, and the other mode is X to a planeswalker. Like, why didn't they do like the same mode, like X to a creature or planeswalker? Like I like I feel like this could have had like one other thing like make a treasure token or something on it or you know exile the top card of your library you can cast it to the end of next turn or something like that but that these that these types of cards usually say but like maybe that was too good and they tested it already but I think Mistress Command is one of the best commands that in this cycle if not the best but um, I don't have very high hopes for this set of commands anyway. Yeah, my my last note is just like this is one of the cards that would go into the critical mass of making mechanized warfare good if there was a way to make it good this would be probably one or two of those cards in that deck if not saying it's a thing <laughs> saying if it became a thing i would assume one or two of these would sneak its way into that deck 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't not like this card, but I also don't like love it either. Moving on to the last one, it's a green one. It's a six mana command. Oh my goodness. And it's a sorcery. Choose two, Titania's command. Exile target player's graveyard. You gain one life for each card exiled this way. Search your library for up to two land cards. Put them in onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Create two, two, two green bear creature tokens. Hey, there's that bear word. Uh, and then put two plus one plus one counters on each creature you control. So this is kind of an overrun that doesn't give trample. Um, it exiles a grave, it, like gains life. It's like primal command, but much worse, like way worse. Um, I, I don't know. Like, what what is up with like a six mana card ramping you? Like, why would you ever do that? No. Nope. Uh, well, it's it's just lands. Um, so you could search for the legendary Titania land if you haven't found it yet. Oh wait, it's oh. up to two lands, not basic lands. Okay, I think differently. Yeah. It's any two it's lands. It's still bad. I agree with you. It's still like bad. <laughs> but it gets the Titania land, and that's what you're going for. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a case where like maybe this is good, and you have Titania, and for some reason you can cast this the turn after you have Titania. That's the only thing I could think of. That's <laughs> wait, wait, wait! <laughs> you're missing the best, most spiciest part. This helps cast one with the multiverse ahead of schedule. Oh shit! Good call. <laughs> <laughs> And if, and if you pass this for free off of one with the multiverse, I then it'll happen. Oh. All, all hell will break loose. I mean, that was wow. just too good of a combo. Oh my god. Jeez, Can you imagine it. the deck coming together? Freaking Simic Ramp. You heard it here first. It's <laughs> 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 this this, this, a limited bomb. This is, this, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a limited bomb. Um, I guess you make the two two bears and put counters on. I mean, you make the bears before you put the counters on. So there are actually four yes. four bears, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, you get eight power toughness for six mana. It's not inspiring, but in draft, that's often just good enough. Yeah, oh, yeah, that 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 that's that's actually perfect. These commands are not inspiring, but sometimes yeah, might be good enough uh -huh. in draft. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, Lauren of the Third Path. It's a two and a white for a human artificer, legendary two one. It has vigilance. When Lauren of the Third Path enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment. You can tap it to have you and target opponent each draw a card. Okay, what is up with white cards making both players draw a card? That's like the third one I've seen. Like, white cards want your opponent to do things with you, right? There's like Divine Gambit that makes your opponent play a card too. There's like, like, what is up with these cards? There's like that one alchemy card that's like kills a thing, but your opponent also gets a thing to replace it. Like, white is like helping your opponent at all costs. Like, what? Why does it make your opponent draw a card? Like, what? Like, I guess the only card I can think of that's like actually good enough and standard that draw makes you draw a card in white that doesn't make your opponent draw a card is wedding announcement, and that card's everywhere in white. So, like, I don't know how to evaluate this card. It's a two-one vigilance. It's always going to get blocked because it's a two-one. Uh, but it, I mean, I guess if you think about it as like just Reclamation Sage, it's like a slightly better Reclamation Sage. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, we haven't got to the card that we want to talk about at some point later on, but you just play this other card uh, than this card. It's not, this is not a good card. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, is it better than the Outland Liberator card in white, the Flash thing? No. Like Cathar no. Commando, right? Is it better than Carthar no, Commando? Card. That is a way better card. Like um Cathar Commando's got flash, it's not a legendary, it's a three one, it's I think cheaper. 
Um, there, there's a lot of things not to like about this card. Mm-hmm. Are you ever using the tap ability? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't want to share the love. You don't want your opponent to have cards. If you have it, the fairy planeswalker it gives you one quality, bro. Actually, I can tell you. If you have Narset, I, I can tell you, and I'm actually not messing around. I'm gonna play this in a standard deck. I'm not kidding. I don't like it, but I'm gonna play it. There's a there's a four color Vivian on the hunt uh, mm-hmm. birthing pod standard mm-hmm. deck that I play. That's really freaking fun, mm. and it. And it would really use a three drop that can kill an artifact or enchantment. It's hilarious, but like you can tutor for this on the battlefield. It's I like, love it. It's it's like it's like a really bad night of autumn. All right, so this is the next deck after your Power Stone deck. I, well, I, 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 I already, I mean, I'm already playing the Vivian deck in Santa right now. It's not that bad. <laughs> I was playing it on okay. stream today. It's just it's not that bad. I mean, Vivian on the hunt's a really good card, and this card will go in it as a one of. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, okay. Moving on to the next one is uh, another card that we can ramp into that's in blue. It's a legendary artifact called the Temporal Anchor. Um, there's a lot of freaking huge blue spells. It's three and triple blue for a six-mana legendary artifact at the beginning of your upkeep scry two. Uh, whenever you choose to put one or more cards in the bottom of your library while scrying, exile that many cards from the bottom of your library. During your turn, you may play cards exiled with the Temporal Anchor. Okay, so I'm going to let Airball evaluate this first. Like, what are you doing with this, if anything? Well, the first thing I need to know is, is it the cards that you scryed to the bottom that get exiled? Or was it just the, like, you scryed two to the bottom, but the two that were previously on the bottom are what get exiled? Because what I'm reading it as, it's the, is it the, it's the cards that you scryed to the bottom. Yeah, it doesn't say, uh, like, put, like, put the cards, exile them from the bottom instead or anything. It's the cards that you put to the bottom. Because it says while scrying. Yeah, if I think so, if that's true, then I think this card is actually given the power stone support in the set is is actually good. Is that, um, that, that sounds like a really, prob- that sounds like a question. Well, I don't, I don't know. Six mana artifact makes me sad, but if it's not practically six mana because power stones are staple to everything, then maybe it's fine. And it's it, you instantly get to draw two cards, um, it, uh, on your on your upkeep when this comes into play. Oh, you have to wait a whole turn. Yeah, but if you get to play it for effectively three mana because you had three power stones that weren't doing anything else, I think this card is is fine. Like there's there's like Terra Sunder, a braid, like there's a bunch of artifact destruction, but. And like, there's a lot of like non-land permanent exile and stuff in standard right, right there's, now. There's there's Lauren of the Third Path who could come. Oh in. yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean that's the reason why I'm playing Lauren of the Third Path. Like the cards broke, yeah. especially against specifically the Temporal Anchor. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, the fact that it's an artifact means that you can like officially ramp into it. I agree. So if you're playing some like artifact based like Tezzeret Karn deck, like think about it. You can play card on turn four, make a power stone token. Next turn, untap land, temporal anchor, easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, this card is hard to evaluate because it's kind of like a similar thing to what was that like Midnight Hunt or Innistrad card that had like the 
the artifact that like you tap it and becomes day or night and then you get a Celestis. card the it's like it's celestis s for me to try and evaluate like oh, no God. one knew that card was going to be like that great off the jump it was like it was whispered about before the set was dropped and then like and then we started seeing how yeah. it could be used and it's and it's like ceiling in its floor and i i for temporal anchor that's the same thing for me it's like a hard to evaluate artifact which you know, I can't really evaluate the ceiling or the floor on it, to be honest. I kind of like that you can just, like, it's beginning of your upkeep, so you get to draw the card that you put on top. So you, like, put your counterspell on top to actually draw, and you put the card that you, like, want to play, like, on the bottom, and then you get to exile it. And it says you can play them, so you can just, like, put the lands in, in exile, and then you can just play the lands. And it says during your turn you can play cards exile with temporal anchor. It doesn't say, like, this turn. So you just like put all exile all the lands with temporal anchor and just like play them every turn. It's like a lot of card advantage for for one card to to give you. See, yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. Like I didn't even think about the implications of that. Like I think it's just it needs to be put into practice to see like what this thing actually does. This is an extremely powerful effect, but it does need some support from the other artifacts to be any good. Yeah. All right. And um I'm probably going to put this into some kind of power stone deck. Cuz you know mm -hmm. I'm doing that. Uh, yep. Unfortunately, I can't participate in early access because, or I would, um, but I will be in um, Salt Lake City with you, Airball, my friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Me too. I, will, I too will be there with Airball. Will you wow. be there, Michael? I mean, I would like to go. I've had family things happen, so like I can't, or not real life stuff happen, so my finances have been weird. But I'm try I'm planning to go to Philadelphia, so if, if it's okay. something that you two are going to be going I'll to... I'll be going to Philly. My, yeah, I, I tend to go to magic events. I, I, I've been putting that on hold, but it will happen. When I said Airball is my friend, you gave me a little face for those not watching on YouTube. I mean, you're my friend too, Michael. You're just not going to Utah. That's correct. That is very correct. I'm not going to Utah, and I, I am, I am fomoing. I did fomo the Magic. I'm gonna fomo Salt Lake, but I, I love that you folks are having a good time. It is. I actually am very happy seeing everyone who I know having a good time. All right, talk about something having a good time. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. Fateful handoff, three and a black for a sorcery. Draw cards equal to the mana value of target artifact or creature you control. And here's the kicker. I mean, it's not actually a kicker, but here's the, you know, it's a figure of speech, guys. Just go along with me. Uh, an opponent gains control of that permanent. What? Huh. So you play huh. your temporal anchor, and then you draw six cards and give the temporal anchor to your opponent? <laughs> <laughs> how, no, how about, like... Oh no, I was thinking like Leyline Binding or something like that, but it's Artifact or Creature. Yeah. Well, I mean, is there an Artifact that kind of does the Exile Till This Leaves the Battlefield? No, right? Not that I can think of. But if there was one... Wait, oh my goodness, we haven't gotten to this yet, but in Brothers War, there's like really expensive Artifacts that you can pay like three mana for. The artifact oh. creatures, so you can like prototype those in for three and then draw seven and give them the three three. Yeah. That yeah. is pretty good. So four mana draw like six or seven, but you give your opponent the creature. That's like massive tempo loss. That's interesting because I wonder if there's one that's like you can min max by a lot. Yeah, there's the seven mana one that you can cast for three. So like, it's, like, it's like one in double black, but it's a really a seven drop. So like, do you give your opponent the 3-3? Three, three? I think it has Menace and Lifelink too. Do you give your opponent like a Menace, Lifelink, 3-3 three, three, 
just to draw seven. I mean, for Airball, I feel like that's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Airball's <laughs> motto is like, why win when you can draw cards? So like... Airball's face is making math. He's, he's, there's, there's, there's like math figures playing in his head right now. Like, there's like, you, know, you know those memes where it's like it has the math going yeah. on in the head? Like, I'm just looking for shit tier artifacts right now. I think it works best with the prototype artifacts, but like, what else are you finding, Airball? Oh, I mean, uh, just looking at Arcane Proxy, it's a 7-mana artifact with an ETB that just leaves a 4-3 behind. Like, or it leaves a 2-1 behind if you, cast, if you cast it for the prototype. So you get the ETB effect, and the opponent gets a 2-1, and you draw 7. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, oh, okay. I mean, will you be doing this? No. Because <laughs> like, you're going to draw a Fateful Hand off, you're not going to have any artifacts or like a Power Stone, and you're like, uh, draw zero, and you get a Power Stone. Yeah, because like the, the problem with Fateful Hand off is you've got to be playing cards that you're willing to give to your opponent, which means that the cards aren't that good, which means you probably shouldn't be playing them, which means you shouldn't be playing Fateful Hand off. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, this card's not good, so you shouldn't be playing this card that's only good when you have not good cards, so don't play it. Yeah, but... Yes. <laughs> Okay, so is is that like the opposite of a win more card? It's like a win less card. <laughs> you're you're handing off the game to your opponent. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's like take this W. I'm gonna take this L. <laughs> I trade you one W and I receive one L. <laughs> it's like you just play this when you just want to punt the game. Like, Here you go. Someone's gonna play really it too. Hoping. I was really hoping I could give someone a demonic pact with this, but artifact or creature only. Oh uh, uh, yeah. That, oh my gosh. Wait, wait. You yeah, can that's give the only and then it goes back to your board. Demonic pact is the only thing that's like the coolest thing you can do with this thing. I wait, think. wait, hold on. You can, you can. It, when your Sulkinar is going to trigger on your end step, you you fateful hand off the Sulkinar back to your there to you your go. opponent, and then you draw five, and then they give it back to you, the Sulkinar. <laughs> But it's sorcery. You can't. It's right. Well, you said, well yeah. Well, yeah. When, when it's when, like the Sulkanar is an end step trigger, right? Oh. Okay, so when sense. it's a when it's about to go to your opponent, you fateful hand off it, to them, and then they like hit you with the Sulkanar or whatever for five. But it's okay. Mm -hmm. You've drawn five cards from fateful hand off, uh, and, and then and then on their end step, it triggers the that card, and then it comes back to you. Sure, I guess. Whatever. Um, that was the most fun I've ever had on this podcast. Uh, clip it, record it, whatever you got to do. Anyway, um, there we go. Brotherhood's End is a one in a double red sorcery. Choose one. Brotherhood's End deals three damage to each creature and each planeswalker. Uh, or you can destroy all artifacts with mana value three or less. Now, this is a three mana sorcery in the same exact colors, uh, color combination as, uh, I don't know, what's it, Sweltering Suns? There's also like Anger of the Gods that are like really powerful in Pioneer. And yeah, I think this card's better than both of them. Yeah. I also think this, this card may have, uh, you know, um, I don't know what you call it though. Uh, like in older formats, other than standard, this may have good implications for like modern and pioneer. I mean, you mentioned pioneer already, but like, yeah, um, it's a three mana, like clear artifacts. And there's a lot of artifact stuff in other formats. So like, yeah, I think, I think it's interesting. I think yeah, there's, it's, uh, it, it could be good. There's a uh, Rakdos sacrifice that has a bunch of, <clears throat> has a bunch of witches ovens and, and blood tokens and treasures hanging around. That you're definitely going to want to deal with. 
Um, there's also going to be a lot of artifact synergies going around with uh, it kills all the power stones, all the treasures, all the blood tokens. Um, and it's also just kills Mayhem Devil as three at three toughness and just is a is a generic really freaking good sweeper. Yeah. Uh, early game, the only things it don't it doesn't deal with off the top of my head is like Adeline and Rafine, but like everything else it deals with. Uh, what's your evaluation on this uh, airball? Yeah, it's like burn down the house's younger brother. Uh, three damage to planeswalkers is relevant to planeswalkers that have minus, but not so much ones that have plused. So that's kind of like an interesting dynamic. Uh, stapling on destroy all artifacts, CMC three or less. Um, yeah, it's I I, I feel like um, Rakdos sacrifice has kind of been hated out pretty hard of like every format that it exists in right now. Um, except maybe alchemy, I don't play that one, so maybe it gets play there. I I feel like this is probably worse than anger of the gods. But there are some metas where it's better because it can answer a Wandering Emperor that's minus, it can answer a Kaito that's minus, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Luliana of the Veil almost always minuses first. Um, Wandering Emperor almost always minuses first. Like, there's a lot of Planeswalkers that are played right now that usually the first thing they do is minus. I mean, I guess outside of Teferi Hero of Dominaria because it untaps the land, so you can kind of protect it anyway without having to minus first. But Brotherhood's End could definitely deal with. Um, a lot of things. I mean, it also deals with, um, let's see, Obnixilis, like both of them, which is yep. pretty strong. So I guess in every single way against Rakdos Sacrifice, this card is really good. Because yeah, um, they also play Obnixilis. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, this card, like, I don't think Standard has, has had a deal three damage to, to each creature effect since, like, Deafening Clarion. And Deafening Clarion was, like, a huge staple in the format back in, uh, what was that, War of the Spark? So like I think I think during that no, standard it was Clarion a really good was, card. What was that? Clarion was guilds of Clarion was guilds of Ravnica. Oh yeah, but it was it was in that standard. Like Guilds of Ravnica oh, yeah, was yeah. still in that in that standard. But it, it, it that, that was like a like a go to sweeper that like if someone had actually was playing red white against you and and had that, you were done. You were cooked. Um so yeah. this card's gonna be really, really powerful and I think it's just really freaking good. Um mo- moving on to Gwenna Eyes of Gaia. Three mana two three, legendary creature, elf druid scout. Tap, add two mana in any combination of colors. Spend this mana only to cast creature spells or activate abilities of a creature or creature card. Whenever you cast a creature spell with power five or greater, put a plus one, plus one counter on Gwenna, Eyes of Gaia, and untap it. Okay. This kind of gives me, like, like Rishkar vibes, to where it can, it can, like, add more mana than it probably already gave you. Like... It, it, like I don't know this card. This card seems really good, actually. Like you can build, you can actually use this, as, play this as a commander, and play like a bunch of stuff with with uh, power five or greater in your deck, and just have this as your commander. But even even as even in a regular deck, like what are the three mana cards that you're really playing that like kind of ramp you in green right now? You're playing like the three mana three three thing that makes a treasure. You're playing like Topiary Stomper. Like, is this better than those cards? How do you evaluate this card, guys? I have no idea how to evaluate this card. If it if it if it actually makes its way into a deck, it gets a little bit scary. But I don't know what that deck looks like because it's kind of a similar thing. Of um, it feels a little bit kind of like a weird um, the Great Henge in a way. Like whenever there was like times where you can untap Great Henge, I forget there was maybe sometime at some point where it was like historic or something. But <laughs> yeah, I think. 
I think if you can actually play this card, the ceiling gets pretty intense. If you can actually, if you actually slot this into a deck and it works. I don't know. I kind of feel like if if you untap with this, it's like you can run away with it. What do you think, Airball? Yeah, I mean, you got to get the bad out of the way first, right? It dies to cut down. Uh -huh. um, it's it costs three mana, um, and the mana can only be spent on creatures. However, if you cast a if you do cast a five power creature spell, then you got the two mana discount for putting this into play, and then you untap it again for another two yeah, mana you can spend insane. on another thing. So. There might be ways to even go infinite um, if you have ways to pump creatures that ETB. I'm not, probably not. I haven't seen anything that does that yet. But this, if you untap with it, is well, bonkers, and it's kind of got like the Kiora effect going on. Like, you, in like the extreme. In, in two things that you that you two have alluded to with this card, um, both draw cards. Like Kiora draws cards, and and um, you know Great Hedge draws cards. This doesn't draw cards, but and also this is five or greater. On, it has to be on the stack because it's a cast trigger, but. Um, there's a lot of cards that you can play in like a mono green or green X deck that already have five power. There's a lot of cards in this set already that have five power. Also a lot of really expensive cards, like the big prototype artifacts have more than five power, five power greater as well. So being able to use this for two mana and untap it and use it for two mana again, um, is really strong, but also think about this. Tapping it, adding two mana, casting something with power five or greater, putting a one one counter on it, untapping it, and then just attacking for three. At that point, it's a three mana three four, and then next turn it can get even bigger. So like this gets out of hand like really fast. And I think I think I I, I put it more like Gallag readers. Like if you don't remove it right away, it can just like get out of hand. Um, the only caveat being this is legendary and Gallag readers isn't, but I feel like. If you untap with this, you're very likely to just win the game on the spot, and it's like you have to remove this card. Yeah, I'm thinking like put this in a deck with like the mono green stompy deck in Explorer or Pioneer. Right, right. right you right. have your Steel Leaf Champion, you have your Galtas, you have that kind of crap. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, so I think that card's really powerful. Also, it's a really freaking good mono green commander. All right, Kalo All right. Kalo's Reconstruction X and triple white for a sorcery. Look at the top seven cards of your library. Put up to X artifacts and or creature cards with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, it says mana value three or less, so if you're playing this, you're going to have to be playing a lot of artifacts or creatures with mana value three or less. Not very hard to do. But the thing I struggle to find with this card, just at first glance reading this, is like, what deck wants this? If you're playing creatures and artifacts with mana value three or less, do you really want to be paying paying like five or six mana for a sorcery? Right? Nope. <clears throat> um, I think it does exactly what it says on the tin. It's reconstruction. It's a card that you play after your opponent has been forced to tap out for a board wipe. It's like White's answer to collected company. Opponent has like has racked your board. You're, they're tapped out, you cast it for X equals 2 or X equals 3, and boom, you have a board again for one card. And they ha they're they right on the back foot all over again. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's not an instant, but yeah, I can see where where that can happen when your opponent board wipes you. Um, <clears throat> it, I, I, didn't th I didn't see that it looks at the top 7 regardless of how, many, how much X is, but it's always 7. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can pay 5 or 6 for this and just get 3 things. It says artifacts and or creatures, so you're not like as locked into playing like infinite creatures in your deck to actually make this card viable. Um, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't. Th I don't know if this card will be. It's. I think this card's either really bad or really broken, and there's probably no in between. I think it's better than Elspeth. Better than Elspeth, than Elspeth Resplendent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they 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 both do like way different things, though, right? Like Elspeth Resplendent gives you like one card. This specifically also doesn't say enchantments, so you can't get like a wedding announcement off this card or anything. So you're going to be less inclined to play cards like that than you would be in Kalos with, with a deck with Kalos Reconstruction in it. So maybe it goes, it just goes in an aggro deck without like a bunch of enchantments, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I think it's better in that context than an Elspeth is. Like Elspeth is like traditionally a post wrath play as well. I think this is a better one, and I think the only good white deck like with the mana to do, like that kind of devotion to white um, is the aggressive creature version. Yeah, I think it's just a good sideboard card. That's kind of my my viewpoint on it. It's good against control if you need a sideboard plan. That's true, and and control is more likely to board out counter spells against your you know your Thalia deck anyway. All right, moving yeah. on to the next card, Drafna, founder of Latinum. It is a one and a blue for a 2-1 legendary creature, human artificer advisor. You can pay one and a blue to return target artifact you control to its owner's hand. You can pay three and tap it to copy target artifact spell you control. The copy becomes a token. So it's copying an artifact spell on the stack. It, does, it says copy target artifact spell, not specifically artifact. So how do you evaluate this card? Is, it, is this a card that's like super, super niche? Does it see, it's probably, it probably doesn't see a lot of play, right? Not unless there's a way to treat the power of prototypes out or do something really wonky with like the prototypes. Like, um, why would you return an artifact to the hand is what I'm thinking. Uh, no idea. No idea. There's, it's like because that's always a powerful thing when you have an ETB thing or a tap or instant like tap to do a thing. And if those aren't the cases, then I don't know what you're really doing with the return target artifact you control to its owner's hand. And I don't know what you're doing with the three and a tap copy target artifact spell you control unless you're doing something really busted. I feel like this is like a jank brewer's dream of a card. Mm -hmm. But what, what do you think, Arval? I, th I think it is, but I think it might be on the better side of jank dream like return target artifact you control to its owner's hand i mean you can imagine um you have an artifact creature or something or you have like a thought monitor in play that right now would be recast for one man oh, as for a sure drifter. thought that's, monitor would be insane that's, that's pretty good um and the copy target artifact spell you control you can do that in response to the spell being countered right so yeah. one of the problems with <clears throat> like say say you cast your whatever the hell that card was, the um, the one that scries to on your upkeep. Um, you cast that with your power stones, you cast with your power stone shards, opponent counters it because that's what you do to six mana sorcery speed cards, and you copy this in response and you get it anyway. You do have to have nine mana for that, though. Well, I mean, that's if you have the power stone shards, is what I'm saying. Like, oh, this, yeah, yeah, this if you have power gets stone. a lot better when... Yeah. You can use the power stones to cast the card you were talking about, which is the Temporal Anchor. But you can also use the Power Stones to use Drafna's ability. So, um, because of the Power Stones' presence in this set, and maybe Power Stones become like a staple in order to pay for th powerful things like this, it makes it a lot easier to do these. I'm, I'm just not sure how often you're going to be doing something like that to make it worth playing. Like, maybe it's like a one-of or something. It's also legendary, so you can't really play too many of them. Yeah. 
All right, moving hey. on to the next one. Gixian Puppeteer. This is a four mana, four, three, for three and a black, for a creature Phyrexian Warlock. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, each opponent loses two life, and you gain two life. When Gixian Puppeteer dies, return another target creature card of mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. I don't know how easy it's going to be to draw more than one card a turn outside of, you know, Teferi that we already went over. Um, I, I know that it's really easy to do that with, like, cards like that connive, right? Maybe maybe like a, yeah. like a, what is it called? Like, turn three, Rafine, turn four, cast Gixian Puppeteer, attack with Rafine, you'll draw your second card, and then you drain for two. Like, draining two is a lot. Like, mm-hmm. you know, dealing two damage, like, Shieldred adds up, you know? Everyone's lost a Shieldred. And then when this dies, you get to bring another creature back from the grave. And it's a th- four mana, four, three. How are you thinking about it being costed four mana? Like, what do you think about the three toughness? Like, how do you evaluate this card? Uh, I think it's interesting to for those decks, those Esper decks, because it makes it, the cost, res- the mana cost restraints aren't so bad for the double black for uh, Shieldred if you're running that in your Esper deck. And if you're... Playing this instead, it's still a really good effect and doing nearly the same thing, not quite. But then you can also, you know, return another target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to your hand when this thing dies. Oh, so it's also, yeah, onto the battlefield. Uh, yeah, so I think that's really interesting too because it can also, like, make your opponent's removal bad in a sense. So, like, I'm really... And I love warlocks, you know, I'm a warlock man D&D, but like, uh, so there's a great thing. But I think this is, this could be really interesting thinking about the current Esper decks of whether you play this or Shieldred or like, what's the, what's the thought process there? What do you think, Garbo? I mean, I've been practicing for the historic tournament tomorrow, and I'm just thinking of this card with Diviner face, and holy crap, <laughs> like... The, the conniving, uh, you connive, you draw two effectively just off of connive. Uh, that triggers this. And then when this dies, if the opponent rafts the board, then you get the Diviner of Fates back out of the bin. That's true. And this whole thing starts all over again. <laughs> like, I don't know. It seems, like, it seems pretty good. It, uh, I don't know how niche or not this is going to be, but you're going to have to choose whether you want to play this. Like, There's a lot of four-drop options, right? Especially if you're playing Esper. Like, you're play- If you're playing Rafine... And maybe you're playing Ledger Shredder or something, something that connives really well, or um, you know other things that draw additional cards, like Wedding Announcement. I can see this playing in some kind of like Esper mid-range deck. But if you're doing that, you're playing Wandering Emperor at four mana. You're playing Shieldred at four mana. You're playing maybe you're playing even Urtai Resurrected at four mana. Like are you also playing Gixian Puppeteer? Like there's a lot of four mana cards to play. Like how many how many of those are you gonna actually fit in your deck? Is my question. I just I just think it's easier on your mana, right? Because it's it's not double black. So, which Shieldred is, and this is a single black. So, right. I think that's—I think it's a big concession as as far as deck smoothness, you know. So, I don't know, but that's it is—it it does, it does bring up that question. Uh, when when Gixie Puppeteer dies, you do get to just bring back Rafine from the graveyard. So, uh, there's a lot there's a lot of pluses for this card being in your deck. All right, moving on to the next one is a six mana dragon, four and double red for a dragon called Tyrant of Kerr Ridges, and I think I actually have an idea for this card. So let's see what it says. It has flying, of course. It's a 4-5. When Tyrant of Kerr Ridges enters the battlefield, it deals 4 damage to any target. And you can pay 1 to have Tyrant of Kerr Ridges get plus 1 plus 0 till end of turn. So, fire breathing. There's a, quite, there's a thing I, I have with, with this card. And uh, you know that Boros Reanimator deck I was talking about before? Mm. Like, you can turn... You can even, even in Jund Reanimator, like, you can go Fable the Mirror Breaker and then discard this card. 
And then the and you can cruelty of Gix the very following turn, bring this back and deal four damage to like anything. Your opponent's planeswalker, their creature. Like now you have a four five and they have no board. And like you can you can even this isn't legendary, so you can even like blink you can even like make copies of this with reflection of Kikijiki and just start shooting four damage. Like this card's like really good if you're doing that. Uh if you're not playing Cruelty of Gix and ways to discard this. You can also play it in the uh, Invoke Calamities deck and discard this card with a bunch of discard outlets. You're playing the pseudo combo deck that I was talking about earlier. Um, you can bring back Sanctuary Warden, but you can also bring back this. Uh, it, it it would replace Titan of Industry in the deck, which might maybe good, maybe bad. But Titan of Industry is a green card that you're never casting in that deck. You're only using it to put it in the graveyard or bringing it back with Invoke Calamity. But this makes your mana easier and lets you just cast this. It's a worse card than Titan of Industry, of course, but it means you can actually hard cast this out of your hand. So maybe it replaces that in the Boros Aggro deck. I mean, I mean the Boros uh, Combo Reanimator deck. But um, I think I think it has potential, like more potential than meets the eye, being like a six mana four or five. You know? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you have all the ideas for this. Like I. Yeah, you know, I have some ideas. That's great. I, I, I just see a six mana four five that does four damage when it comes in and then sometimes it has fire breathing. It just seems pretty yeah. expensive, but you're looking to cheat it out, and that's what you would do with something like this, because it's not good on rate. Right. It's it's not Glorybringer, for sure. But it, right. it's one mana more than Glorybringer, it doesn't have haste, but it deals four damage to any target. Yeah, it's not Glorybringer. Okay, we understand. Glorybringer is a is a just really good card, especially in, in a standard format. But I think this might be as close to Glorybringer as you can get. The fact that it deals four damage and is a big flyer, and it also pumps itself. Imagine how much mana you're gonna have, like randomly throughout the game, and, and you're gonna have this, and your opponent like is forced to deal with this with Infernal Grasp or whatever. Unless you're just gonna take nine to the face. Yeah, like cheated in, great. Not cheated in, not so great. Right. I think that's kind of like the thing. Right. Did you say anything about this already, Airball? Or you're just like done with this card. No, I'm with Michael on it. I, I think this is this is like a limited bomb. Um, cheated into play, great, obviously, but that's true of most things. I think there are probably better targets. I, I'm not excited about this card. You can use the four mana werewolf to pay one and a green to put this into into play from your hand for two mana, which is like great. pretty cool. <laughs> you can also do that with like Tomlar's Hunt Master and stuff too. But you know, whatever. Anyway, I'll. Oh, you know what? I'm also going to be playing this. In my oh no, is is this a jank fest? I'm yes. also playing this in my uh, Vivian on the Hunt uh, birthing pod deck to go from to go from the five mana workshop war chief, put it to the graveyard, make a four four with workshop war chief into tyrant of Kerr Ridges, deal four damage to my opponent's thing. I will be doing that. Um, anyway, moving on to the next one is a really good green one drop. Teething Wormlet. It's a one one green mana for a one one worm. Teething Wormlet has Death Touch as long as you control three or more artifacts. Whether or not it's going to happen is probably magical Christmas land, but there it is. The thing that's interesting is, whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, <clears throat> you gain one life. If this is the first time this ability has resolved this turn, put a one one counter on Teething Wormlet. So, in an artifact synergy, synergy set. Playing this as a 1-1, one, one, there's a lot of cards that make artifacts. There's the 3-mana three 3-3 three, three, uh, Rogue that has Vigilance and Trample that makes a treasure token. You're, might, you might also play that. There's a lot of things that just incidentally make Power Stone tokens that you might play in a green deck. And this card is going to be a 2-2 two, two, and a 3-3 three, three, and a 4-4 four, four, and a 5-5. Five, five. 
over the course of the game. And that kind of reminds me of the of the of the uh, Pelt Collector, right? And what do you think of this card? <clears throat> uh, the other player who plays with creatures talk first. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you don't play with creatures, Arbal. Let's let Michael talk about this. I mean, I seldom ever play green creatures unless it's like Tarmogoyf, but you know. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I don't. It's is this not interesting to you guys? No, it's not. This, card, I, I, this is Pelt Collector. It, no, it's it's because Pelt Collector, you're you're doing it in a creature deck, and your 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 Pelt Collector is a creature. You're bringing in more creatures, right? Teething Wormlet. It's like okay, well, I'm playing green art like green creatures, but then I also need to also play artifacts. Well, you well you well you just play the the card I talked about, and you play Gallagher's, and that makes treasures, which are artifacts. Like you're growing this every turn. Like this is like a one mana five five. And you and you and you also oh, incidentally gain life, and you also has de also has death touch sometimes. Let's pump the brakes. It's not a one mana five five. It's a one mana five five. Like, it's not a one mana five five. It, 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 it will be in my deck. Okay. You you don't sure. think this is gonna be a one mana five uh, five? You don't think so? No, no. You don't think you put uh, this? You it, only, it only it only triggers once per turn. Well, yeah. Um. Well, so it, it's gonna have to live five turns, and it won't. Well, I mean, if, if your one drop is garnering removal because it becomes a 3-3, three, three, then that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, sure, it's good. But, like, it's not Pelt Collector good. It's, like, Pelt Collector was great because it rewarded you for doing things that you were already trying to do anyway. Just put big, dumb, idiot creatures in play and get the payoff. Most of the artifacts in the green decks are incidental to what you're trying to do. They're not the actual game plan itself. I think that makes this worse than Pell Collector. It's still good. It's probably the best one-drop green creature we've seen in the last couple sets, but I'm yeah. not super excited about it. Yeah, it's better than, like, Ascendant Pack Leader. Right? Yes. I think it is probably better than Ascendant Pack Leader. Probably. Yeah, and, like, you, yeah. You, you, I, there's a lot of green cards that you would probably already play in your, like, mono green deck that already make artifacts, like, a lot of them. Um, but anyways, I think I like Teething Worm Lit. It's not as interesting, I guess, to you guys than it is for me, but I'll be playing with this card. And it's a really cute art if you're watching this from YouTube. There's, like, a really cute yeah. bird next to it and everything. Like, it makes me want to play it even more. All right, let's go over to the next card, Soul Partition. It's one in white for an instant. Exile target, not land permanent. Full stop, period. But wait, it has another sentence. For as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may play it. A spell cast by an opponent this way costs two more to cast. So it's like a delayed elite spellbinder. Like, in, instead of using elite spellbinder on a card in your opponent's hand, you use it when your opponent has already cast it. So in a way, it's a little bit better, in a way, because your opponent already spent mana on it, and they gotta spend mana on it again. So it's like, it's kind of like Wizards is trying out the whole, like, what's that sweeper in Alchemy? Yeah, exactly. Divine Purge. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like Wizards is like trying out Divine Purge to like see if they can put a card like that in Constructed Standard. I don't know. What do you think about this, Airball? I'll go to you first since you play cards like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about this in the context of Divine Purge. Um, it's a targeted Divine Purge. It hits one permanent, not the entire board. Um, it is... The, the problem with Divine Purge is that it is very often unplayable because it's serious card disadvantage. Um, Divine Purge 
uh, does wipe the board, it does buy you time, but the opponent gets to replay all of those cards, and sometimes getting they get value off of replaying them. So you need to close the you need to close the game yourself before they get to take advantage of that. Soul Partition is kind of just that in the extreme. It's kind of like fateful absence that hits anything, but the opponent doesn't actually have to crack the clue. Um, I think that this is probably not great removal. Um, but it might be the best of the two-drop slot that White has in Standard right now. I mean, do you think this card is better than Fateful Absence? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you're talking. Okay. Do I think it's better than Fateful Absence? It hits anything. Yeah, it does hit anything. Instead of just a creature or a Planeswalker. Um, and the clue from Fateful Absence is basically paying two more to cast it. Um, but you can split that across multiple turns, I guess. I think this card is probably a little better than Fateful Absence. I mean, if you're if you're saying that this card's better than Fateful Absence, that means this card's damn good. Because Fateful Absence is like the go-to two mana instant speed removal. Like even even in Pioneer, like Fateful Absence is played because Blue White Control has a hard time dealing with Planeswalkers already. Yeah. So like, do you play this in even as far back of a format as Pioneer? Is it that is it that good? So the problem is Fateful Absence, this is a Fateful Absence where the clue is guaranteed to get you the card that was so bad that you had to remove it in the first place. Exactly. Like, it's a Fateful Absence, but Fateful Absence doesn't, like, if you Fateful Absence to Chandra Torture Defiance and they crack the clue, they're not guaranteed to draw another Chandra Torture Defiance. They're drawing, like, whatever other card, right? Exactly. This card, they're just drawing exactly that card, but two more mana. Right. So this is more flexible, but the downside is worse. And I think it'll depend a lot on whether there are non- uh, creature non-planeswalkers um, that need to be removed urgently. Here's a wrinkle. What if you use this, like, what if you, like, use your Leyline Binding on, like, a big token or something, and then you, like, soul partition your own Leyline Binding to cast it again? Like, what if you, like, use this on your own stuff? You could. Those, so, like, you could do that. Those are, like, niche things that you, you that happen in a game. You're not looking to do that. It's like, this is a, that's a skill-based thing, right? It's not going to happen every game. It's something you should look out for. It's wonderful that you pointed it out. I think we're kind of comparing, in a weird way, apples to oranges of, like, the Faithful Absence and Soul Partition. I think Soul Partition and Faithful Absence are almost, like, as far as how good they both are, they're almost probably on the same level. They're just different tools in my mind. Like, except Soul Partition might eke out just a little bit better, because if you think about the game from a tempo's perspective, super great on tempo, because then you're just like, all right, I could delay the game more. They're using this mana. Maybe I'll draw into a removal, another, a better removal spell, or I'll, I'll draw into a counter spell to deal with this, and they're, you're taxing their mana, which is pretty good. Where a clue is like, you remove the thing, they have to spend two mana to get a card that may or may not be good or exactly what they need. Where a soul petition, you know what's underneath. Like, it's not an unknown, too. It's something you have to also piece together. So, I don't know. I think it's kind of an apple to oranges type of thing. I think it's good, re- I think it's good removal. Yeah, I-, I think so. I'm not sure whether or not it's better than Faithful Absence, but if any card gets close to Faithful Absence, it's pretty good. Like, Faithful Absence is played a lot. Anyway, let's go over to another huge blue card. We're not, we're not done with huge blue cards, guys. No, this is not. a seven mana, four and triple blue. Hercules Final Meditation. It's an instant. It's seven mana. As long as it's not your turn, 
this spell costs three more to cast. So on your opponent, this is just like fancy text for on your opponent's turn, it costs 10. Yep. Uh, return all non-land permanent to their owner's hands. End the turn. Excuse me? Now I really found something to go Titania's command into. I mean, I mean, I'll go to Airball. Like, what, what do you think of this? Like, from a controls perspective, I mean, you you bounce your own stuff too. Yeah, it's super expensive. It punishes you pretty heavily for playing to the board. Uh, it does end the turn, which means that if you you know hold up seven mana, say go, and the opponent cycles a shark or casts a lobster, then you do get to counter that. I think this is much too expensive to be to do anything unless you can cast it for free. Mm -hmm. I don't see a great way to do that. I see a great way to do that. The temporal anchor, baby. We're right, casting yeah, so we it with temporal pay. anchor, and then we're bouncing right, so we our own seven. temporal anchor back to our own hands. Oh, it's a masterpiece. I love it. <laughs> well done. What's not to love? I mean, I mean, I, I looked at this card, and I'm like, that's a commander card. Yes. Yeah, it's it's you're having a real fun time with Hercules final meditation at your commander table. I, I, you know, I genuinely actually hopefully you have all the fun with this card, honestly, but constructed 60 card constructed, <laughs> not so much. Yeah, uh, th this card is just a tad too expensive, but I do get some uh, cyclonic rift vibes from this, even though it does uh, return to all your bard as well. Anyways, let's go to the next one. I'm pretty sure this is a reprint painful quandary. Five mana, black enchantment, three and double black. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, that player loses five life unless they discard a card. This is like Torment of Hailfire vibes. Like what? Like is this just like you play blue black control and like this is your win condition and just like hope they can't deal with it? I mean, I guess when they go to deal with it, they have to discard a card or pay five. But that means they're just discarding a card, which means every every card they play, they're discarding a card. But they're going to pay five all the way up until they have five life left. And then they're just going to start discarding cards. So, like, this might actually play out in practice better than it would play out in theory. I don't know. What do you think, Airball? I don't think blue is, like, the... I, I don't think blue is, like, the right uh, place for this, per se. I, I think this is really good in the existing black-based... Like, black mid-range mirrors that we saw a lot of in Standard, because a lot of the black-based decks just simply cannot answer a 5-mana enchantment easily. I mean, Invoke um, is fair, but yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. And the opponent has to dome themselves for 5, uh, or discard a card when they do that, and it's a very specific answer that they need. Um, I still don't think it's great. I think that a lot of the meta has migrated to um, Esper or Grixis or, you know, cards, uh, decks that can run Disdainful Stroke, decks that can run uh, Negate, Make Disappear. It's going to be hard to resolve a five mana sorcery, and when you do, you'd probably rather it just be invoke, uh, invoke despair. But it's cool to have options. Yeah, I feel like you'd play you'd play this card in like a like a deck where you just solely rely on this card. Like I want my opponent to be miserable card, or maybe you play it in like discard dot deck like a mono black discard with like pilfer and like a bunch of cards that say discard two, and then you discard your opponent's hand and make your make every single card your opponent casts have to pay five life and then that means they only get four spells in the whole game right after you get rid of their hand so like that's like a really fun thing to do but like is it good not sure 
Mm, yeah. No, I don't think so. It's a, it's, no. a, it's a cool thing to think about, though. All right. Moving yeah. on to the next card is a four mana, Visions of Phyrexia. Two and double red for a four mana enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. It's another red enchantment. That's like the third red enchantment we've read. At the beginning of your end step, if you didn't play a card from exile this turn, create a tapped power stone token. That's interesting. This is kind of like Frenzy-esque, but you can't just go off with it. Beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. That kind of reminds me of like the, the Praetor. It does something similar to that. I mean, the Praetor is also a creature. Making the tapped Power Stone tokens is interesting. It makes me feel like you don't want this in Mono Red. Like you would just want this in some other deck that wants to utilize cards from Exile. Maybe there's like a commander that likes to cast cards from Exile. I know there is for a fact. Like, isn't that Prosper card want you to cast cards from Exile? Uh, making the Power Stone tokens might be interesting. I don't know. What, what, do, you, do you see a home for this card? Either one of you? Mm, maybe in like a is it control deck if that exists um like that's the only thing i think of because it's basically like a guaranteed land drop quote unquote um maybe like a, like a is it tezzeret style deck or something like an artifact deck that wants to utilize the power of some tokens yeah that's what i'm thinking like yeah you have some powerful is it like artifact control or artifact tempo deck that like just wants to make sure it can always get its mana after turn four and just like go big on something and i guess sure, you can but... get a lot of card advantage if you go visions visions of phyrexia um exile the top card of your library you can play it it also lets you play lands and then you can also play the temporal anchor that lets you scry to the bottom and get more cards so like you're drawing like four cards a turn if you have visions of phyrexia and temporal anchor in play I don't know, it seems like there's like a theme of exiling cards and playing them in this set. Actually, this card could actually be a lot stronger than we're even just giving it face value, because if you think about it, like, if you can always play a spell every time you, every turn, which is likely, especially in a deck given this type of, like, is it, if it's is it, and then you also make sure you always get a land every turn, or two lands, essentially, that, like, is a really strong effect, so it could... <laughs> I think the ceiling of this can be actually pretty high um, depending if you can get to that four mana and then keep it around. So I, I'm, I'm actually interested to see where this goes, to be honest. Uh, how do you see this, Herwell? Uh I think it's really tough to evaluate, but the first thing I thought of was Fires of Invention. Um, I, think I, I think this is really cool to make sure that you have A, the gas that keeps going, because the worst part of having a Fires deck is if you just don't have anything to play off of the Fires. And B, the Fires X tend to be very, very good at using excess mana, right? They have Kenrith, they have a companion like Karuga or Yorian or something. Um, they have Cavalier, uh, utility maybe. lands that are mana sinks. Cavaliers would be pretty good. Yeah, I, I think that... Um, and Power Stones can be used to, to fund all of those things. So I kind of like it there. I don't know if it it's better than anything that's being used in the existing Fires decks is the thing. Like, the but... like you can also sack this to Enigmatic Incarnation if you like really need to. Yeah, you're pretty sad to like to turn this into one card when you're hoping it turns into multiple cards over the course of the game. But yeah, you could do that. I mean, yeah, I I feel like that could be good because you always want to do something on turn four after you cast uh, Fires of Invention. But this doesn't impact the board right away. It's just a card advantage card, and usually that deck is especially enigmatic has a lot of card advantage through other means that doesn't really need a card like this, especially with Kenrith to keep drawing cards, bringing cards back out of the graveyard. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think you would like need this effect. 
I'm not, I'm not sure. There's like a mono red Fires of Invention deck going around in Pioneer very briefly that I've seen recently, and maybe this would go in that. I'm not sure. But um, let's move on to the next one. The next one is a reprint, very powerful card, Fauna Shaman. One in a green for a creature elf shaman, 2-2. Two, two. If you haven't read this card before, I'll read it to you. One, you can pay a green and tap it and discard a creature card. Search your library for any creature card. Reveal it, put it in your hand, and shuffle. So this is a, uh, what is that commander card? It's like super expensive. It's like a two-mana enchantment that does the same thing. But um, I forgot what the card's called. Uh, Survival of the Fittest, I think it's called. Yeah, that's what it's called. It's like a, it's like a Survival of the Fittest on a creature. Uh, it's a two-mana 2-2. Two, two. The only time I've ever seen this card being played in Constructed it was in like historic before the alchemy cards came in and there was like a Winota deck they used to search Winota before that got banned. So I can see this being play, being uh, in a sort of creature combo deck that you just need to need a certain creature, but you're already playing a lot of creatures anyway. Um, how do you think Fauna Shaman goes with this overall artifacts set? I, I, don't, I don't really know where they're going with Fauna Shaman in this format, but maybe there's a creature or two that you, you have any, any ideas of how you utilize Fauna Shaman in this format? Standard, no, but maybe this is something that could be good in like Pioneer with the Abzan Greasefang decks because you'd always, you know, make sure you always oh, hit Greasefang. That is true. Like, it's it's not in Pioneer, like... right? No, uh, yeah, I'm I just don't... looking it up. It's not legal in Pioneer yet. Oh, yeah, okay. So it, might, it might be that, but you also have to make sure it survives because it's like you have to do this on turn three and then have grease fang for turn four but that still might be a good enough thing i'm not quite sure yeah it's still um, like but... searches grease fang right yeah 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 and you like discard like what the one mana freaking uh whatever Rafine's yeah. informant or whatever yeah something but like yeah you guarantee you have copies of grease fang essentially if this thing survives my thing about this card i think in the application that it would be would be in the uh like a naya reanimator deck where you would like discard a random creature search for your reanimator piece and then you discard a reanimator piece that you need in the graveyard anyway on the next turn to search another creature that you need we're talking dragons aren't we are we talking freaking tyrant of courage's again yeah are we talking mopey six six drop dragon i mean you Four get to search fire. it though you get to search it put it in the graveyard and you can search another card and you by get discarding to be disappointed it. when you find it I wouldn't be disappointed if I found it. I'd, I'd play that card on my graveyard super quick. Deals four damage, has fire breathing. That's like all you ever want to have in a card. Okay, we're not talking about Tyrant of Curbridges right now. We're talking about Fauna Shaman. I think like the whole discard synergy, I think that that does work really well in the Abzan Grease Fang deck. Just, I mean, just because you can't really do that until turn four, maybe it makes you play Rafine's Informant anyway over Fauna Shaman, and maybe Fauna Shaman's not good enough. But uh, what do you think, Airball? Yeah, I think this is probably pretty clearly just to make it available in Pioneer. That's what that's the point of the reprint. I don't know that it's going to make a big difference in Standard, and I don't know that it'll be useful in Pioneer right away, but it's just about getting tools into the format. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to the next one. It's a white mana. Two and a white. Takazia's Welcome. It's an enchantment. Whenever one or more creatures with mana value three or less enter the battlefield under your control, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. So this is like a welcoming vampire, but better, but also doesn't come with a 2-3 flying body. Um, I, I like this because it doesn't necessarily matter what power the card has. It matters the mana value. Sometimes when you have a bunch of wedding festivities on the board and, and you, you're, you have like a big anthem and you have, a, and you have a, um, a welcoming vampire in play, you start not drawing cards off of it because your creatures are too big. So like this can do that, but it's also not a 2-3. 
So, I mean, Airball, I'll start with you. How do you evaluate this card in like a, you know, three mana or less creature deck to get card advantage? I think it's, I mean, there's already a pretty damn good green-white enchantments deck in Standard. I think this is just another piece that'll make it even better. Like, imagine playing some number of Jukai Naturalists with this. They, they oh, yeah. each uh, play super well off of each other. Um, you have, like, uh, the Hallowed Haunting as the, as the end piece of that deck. It was already quite good. Uh, this just makes it better, I think. Yeah, for sure. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I, I think this is interesting. Uh, I know I keep saying cyborg card stuff, but like this is also probably a cyborg card for like control stuff. So it's like you can make sure you keep having gas and drawing cards after you play one creature after the other, because it's like, well, I play. It's like cantrip. It like turns your creatures into like cantrips that you, but you're still getting a body. So it's just like I put a body, I grab a card. I put a body, I get a card. And so like, I think it's something that could be. Pretty decent. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see definitely going like Jukai Naturalist on turn two, turn three, play an untapped land, play Takatia's Welcome for two mana because it's discounted, and then playing another one drop creature after that, like the one drop spirit that every time you cast an enchantment, get to put a plus one plus one counter on a creature. That lets you draw a card, and the next turn you get more draws. So I feel like this card can get out of hand pretty quickly, even though it only triggers once per turn, but you do keep your gas flowing. So, really good card for that deck. I don't know about, about any other applications, maybe like a mono white card, but why wouldn't mono white just play wedding announcement instead of this card? Um, maybe you'd have, maybe that's a point of contention. Maybe you play both. Maybe you play four wedding announcement and one Takasi's welcome or something, but we shall see. Moving on to the next one, Herkel Master Wizard. With a name like Master Wizard, you would assume it's pretty good, right? I don't know, I haven't read it yet. One and double blue for a 2-4 legendary creature, Human Wizard Advisor. At the beginning of your end step, if you've cast a non-creature spell this turn, Reveal the top five cards of your library. For each card type among oh. non-creature spells you've cast this turn, you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, you play this card on turn three, you untap with it, hopefully, or you, like, play a Tormod script and look at the top seven and try to get an artifact, which is still pretty good, or, like, a zero-mana artifact, something like that. Um, anyway, you can untap with this, play your land or whatever, and then you can play an artifact and an enchantment and like maybe something else. And then look at the top seven and get one of each of them. It's a little bit, it's a little bit dicey as far as like, you know, it's, it's pretty random, but I'll go to you airball as the blue player. I mean, how do you, how do you analyze this card? I mean, I think we kind of tried in our last episode, right? We had this teaser text from Morrow and I think where I came down was by the time you're casting a bunch of spells all on one turn, you're probably already winning the game. So this does feel kind of win more to me. And you do need to play a variety of creature or uh, card types as well, which is not super easy to do because most of those are expensive. Like Planeswalkers are usually going to be pretty expensive and hard to play multiples up in a turn. Uh, the same is true for any creatures that you want to be playing alongside a mid-rangey deck. Um, I don't know that this is going to be a great source of card advantage. I I find this card very difficult to evaluate. Yeah, like I think if this said like three mana two four, like draw a card, but it was guaranteed, it would just be a better card. I think there's a way to make it guaranteed, uh, but I think what you do is honestly, it's definitely for a deck that has instant. Instant sorceries and creatures. It's a tempo deck. This is belongs in a tempo deck, like straight up. Like okay, well, I, I had to interrupt you because it says non-creature spells, so it, it, you can't. It doesn't work with creatures. 
I know it says that, but you have to play a creature, therefore you're playing Hercule. Oh, therefore fair, you fair, want, fair. It's a tempo deck. You want to still play creatures to hurt your opponents. You're not playing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's what I'm saying what I'm saying. It's like, I feel like the best home for it is the majority of your deck is a mixture of instant sorceries and creatures for this to really, like, turn on and do things. Because then you're just flow. your cards are flowing, and you're impacting the board, and you're doing damage, and it's and you're being proactive while acquiring these cards in hand. I don't know if it does really great stuff in a mixture of Planeswalkers, because that's another type that's going to be in there that for you to whiff or not yeah. get. And, there, and then you have, like, artifacts, and then, like, all these other freaking card types, and it's just like, well, are you really doing anything, or are you going to want to make sure that you draw those <laughs> things? Like you said, this would only be good if it actually drew you the thing. So, like, you have to condense down your types, right? Right. You have to have, like, you have to have like non-creature spells of different types in your hand. Like, if you play a cheap artifact and a cheap incident and a cheap sorcery, and then, like, you have to also have those types on the top five cards of your deck, I feel like that's, like, a lot to have, right? Yeah, so that's why I'm just, like, instant sorcery creature. And land. Now, That's the I, only things you want. I guess you could just play like an artifacts deck, right? Like, could you imagine putting this into blue white artifacts in historic or something? Because if your deck is a critical mass of like thirty artifacts in it, and you're always playing one of them every single turn, um, you're pretty likely to draw another one off of the top five of your library, right? So it's yeah. Like so so it's like if your opponent doesn't deal with this. Deck? It's just like draw an artifact every turn on your end step. Yeah, I mean, if your opponent is tapped out and you, it's your turn four, right? You play Hercule and then you play like Esper Sentinel or something. And then, oh, I guess it can't be Esper Sentinel. It would have to be like the Retrofitter Foundry or some other random artifact. And you'd get another one probably for free. Like in that sense, it's good. And then your opponent like has to remove it or else you're just going to like play another artifact and then like on your end step get another artifact. So like in that way, it can draw multiple cards. So you might have to just niche your, niche your deck down into not trying to do like full greed with this and cast every, everything of different types. Maybe it's just like uh, you play Hercule and you play like an enchantment. Maybe it's an aura or whatever. And then you like look at the top cards of your deck to try to find another aura. Maybe it goes in like blue-white auras too, like as a one-of or something because it's legendary. That you cast an aura and you look at the top five for another aura. or Something like that. But uh, in that yeah. in that case, I can see it's a lot better than trying to go for the you know full nine yards on this card. All right, moving on to the next one. Oh my goodness, I just saw the name of this. I am shaking. Uh, it's Diabolic Intent as a reprint into Standard and Pioneer. One in a black for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a card. Put it into your hand and then shuffle. Just period. No other text. Just search a card. I mean, yeah. Is this played in standard? Uh, like it has to. I... It's, it's freaking diabolic intent. It's like basically demonic tutor. Yeah, this is really good. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would assume so. And it, it feels like we're getting closer and closer with all these cards to getting close to a decent demir control deck and like. Just for any of the listeners or viewers out there, if there's ever a Demir control tech that, that goes, just play the deck. Have a good experience with Demir, because the, there's never Demir decks that are actually great in Standard if you're playing Standard, or even Pioneer. Like, there was for, like, a week or two, but, like, if there's any good time that you want to try something new and different, if Demir goes, play play the Demir deck. Give yourself an experience for 
one time in your life. I mean, if people play, if if people listen to you and actually play Demir, that means we're gonna have to play a play a lot of a lot of Demir Demir matches. Oh God, that was a bad joke. Um. Anyway, what what do you what what do we, <laughs> what do you think, uh, Airball, of like an implication for standard? Like, what do you you're just playing this in like a Rakdos sacrifice deck with a bunch of little little things? I mean, obviously you're playing well, you're playing it in like combo decks and in uh, other formats like Pioneer. But what are you what are you doing well, in the constructed formats of this? Well, Pioneer. This is my first thought was this in Pioneer, and what scared the hell out of me was turn one Stitcher Supplier. Oh, Turn God, two yeah. Diabolic Intent. You've milled six off of the Stitcher Supplier. You already see what those cards are in the bin before you fetch. Oh, no, you and... search Grease Fang. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So turn one Stitcher Supplier, yeah. turn two Diabolic Intent, sacrifice Stitcher Supplier, mill any ship at all in six cards. Search Grease Fang, play a land, cast Grease Fang, GG's. Yeah, yeah, the consistency there would be extreme. Now, you do give up your board for it. Like, a lot of the Grease Fang consistency right now comes from the two drops that, like, connive it into the, bat into the graveyard and pressure the opponent into doing something rather than holding up counter magic. But this would be an incredibly consistent way to Grease Fang, especially on the play. Like, the problem with Grease Fang is, like, sometimes they just never get to it. I play against Grease Fang sometimes, and, like, I get a free win because one out of the, out of the three games that we potentially play they just can never get to Grease Fang with a bunch of ships, or they can never get to ships with like three Grease Fangs in hand. So it's like, yeah, it's just like they have a hard time finding both sometimes. And Diabolic Intent just does that. Just gets you. To, it just gets you there. Yeah, yeah. depending on how deck, because people can like also go to the workshop with Grease Fang and maybe change the deck just because of this thing existing, right? And maybe like they fashion something that's more consistent or something like odd, because this can change like the deck's makeup. Other than the key pieces of hit your opponent with some busted vehicle, so I'm curious to see if we can even possibly get like a Grease Fan banning because it becomes too consistent. Don't know. I, I don't know. Don't, don't go to the banning message boards already. You're not like you're gonna put your tinfoil hat on for that one. Yeah, tinfoil hats on. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Do, outside of outside of Grease Fang, like, can you think of a standard deck or maybe like a pioneer deck that would want this? Maybe like a combo deck that maybe isn't already uh -huh. playing black that plays this, or maybe a combo deck that's already playing black for this. Maybe maybe there's like a a way to fit Diabolic Intent into like your. I don't know, your Lotus Field deck or something. It's going to be hard to sacrifice a creature in that deck, but who knows? I don't, I don't think this goes in every black deck. Like, Rakdos Midrange probably won't play this because all the creatures are too valuable to sacrifice. But uh, what, do you, what do you think I mean, of, of... like What's up? I was just going to say, like, Indomitable Creativity is a good answer to your question, right? Like, if you can just get a Black Splash in there, you already have a shitload of token creatures to sacrifice because you're already planning on doing it for Creativity. Now you fetch Creativity from your deck. Well, creativity wouldn't it's, you it's just, just play awesome. like wish call talisman instead of this at that point? You could do that too. Yeah, that's true. And like they could already play that, and they aren't. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but Diablo Content is a very, very powerful card. It's demonic tutor if your deck can uh, afford to sacrifice a creature. So we'll see how good this ends up being. I could also see this being really good in like. Jund Sacrifice or Rakdos Sacrifice that just has a random bowl of Citadel on the deck chilling that you just search mm -hmm. search that card and just go off at the top of your library because you can search for it now. You don't have to put like multiple copies of a six mana artifact in your deck. You can just search for it whenever you need if you have a multiple copies of Diabolic Content in your deck. Um, you can mm -hmm. also sacrifice a random Cauldron Familiar and search up Witch Witch's Oven. Like, I, I wow, that's just so good. Um, 
I, I don't know. For, it, it, the The implications of Jun sacrifice and Rakdos sacrifice is what really turns me on to this card. But this card is yeah. obviously broken anyway. Um, we all know this card's broken. Let's go ahead and move on to Felden Ronom Excavator. It's a one and a red for a two two legendary creature human artificer. It has haste. Two mana, two two haste for red. Felden Ronom Excavator can't block. Whenever Felden is dealt damage, exile that many cards from the top of your library. Choose one of them. Until the end of your next turn, you may play that card. So this gives me very good, very good Robber of the Rich vibes, even though it's not guaranteed like when a rogue attacks like Robber of the Rich is, but it also does, you don't need to have less cards in your hand than your opponent. It's two mana, two, two haste, which red always wants. Uh, it can't block, which is interesting because if it could block, it would be too good, right? Whenever it's dealt damage and you just block with it and get card advantage. But um it's really good against decks that only have red based removal like uh maybe is it phoenix and pioneer uh maybe just like any any is it deck and their only removal is like strangle and deal three damage to x thing deal two damage to something um you'll always get a card out of this so in that way i think this might be better than rubber of the rich but how, how do you how do you evaluate this card i'll start with you michael isn't there in Kamigawa a card that's kind of similar? That's one mana though, and like when it dies, or two mana when it dies, uh, you get to like exile the top two cards of your library and and play one of them that turn or something like that. Yeah, that, that's a one drop. It's played. It's like a one mana one one. It's played in the Rakdos Sacrifice deck. Yeah, so I don't know because that exists at one mana. I don't know if this two mana uh, legendary is better than that. Um. It's kind of better in the sense it's more aggressive, but that's the only upside I see compared to the one mana. Right, you can go turn one, Kamano faces Kakazan, and then turn two, this as a 3-3 three, three haste, which is really good. Uh, what do you think, Airball? Yeah, I think this is better than the one drop because it's, um, it's something that rewards you for having it get removed, and it's got enough pressure built into it that your opponent is going to have to remove it. Um, Right now, there's a lot of black removal in standard. It probably doesn't make the cut, but if we go back to like Voltage Surge being like the best removal spell on standard, like it was for a while, uh, then all of a sudden this is this is great. It's um, it's a two for one on, on most removal spells at that point. Yep, and right now the most popular removal spells are Infernal Grasp and Cut Down, and and uh, those are both really good against Felden. But I wouldn't be surprised if people if Mono Red just played this anyway. Like a two minute two two haste is really good. I mean, is this better than yep. than like Phoenix Chick? Like probably, but we already have Monastery yeah. Swift Spear, so like you're already playing that over Phoenix Chick. So what are you playing this over? Is the question. Anyways, let's move over to the next card. It is Fade from History. It is probably the cutest card you'll ever see if you're watching this from YouTube. It's like three baby bears, uh, two and a double green for a sorcery. Each player who controls an artifact or enchantment creates a two-two green bear creature token. And then destroy all artifacts and enchantments. Like. Whoa. Destroying all artifacts and enchantments? That's like a pretty powerful effect. And also you get mm -hmm. to just make some bears. I, I didn't even plan this, by the way. This is the second card that makes bears, and our jargon of the day was bear. I did not yeah, plan this. But subconscious. It, it, yeah, it, you know, I, sometimes you just have it, you know? Anyway, what do you think of Fade from History? Mm. It sucks. Cyborg card. Yeah, at best. <laughs> Imagine like, getting this off against like uh, white green enchantments. Use win. <laughs> like everything's an enchantment, right? Yeah. <laughs> every every card, yeah. even their creatures. 
<laughs> so this is just like Plague Wind <laughs> for, against that deck. Um, also, yeah. in Commander, it wins the game also. Like, you yes. just like, kill everybody's artifacts and enchantments, and that's devastating. So if anything, this will be a $20 Commander card in like two months. <laughs> Watch. This is going to be an expensive Commander card. Well, yeah, yep. probably only Commander and very niche sideboard card. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have a couple more rares to go. We have some more rares to go over. We're almost done with the monocolored cards, so stick with us. Ashnod Flesh Mechan uh, Mechanist. Mechanist? Mechanist? One mana, one one legendary creature, human artificer with death touch. Whenever Ashnod Flesh Mechanist attacks, you may sacrifice another creature. If you do, create a tapped Power Stone token. We're trading creatures for Power, Stoke power Stones now? I don't know about that. All right. You can pay five mana generic and exile a creature card from your graveyard. Create a tapped 3-3 three, three colorless zombie artifact creature token. So it like, the flavor of it is like you're killing your board to like turn them into mummified zombies. But you have to pay five mana to do that. And it's a one mana one one. It does have death touch. I mean, the whole this whole time, if you're watching this from YouTube, Michael's just shaking his head. Um, but this kind of reminds me of like the like the one one Valentine card that like hardly anyone played, and it was like very niche. Like these one mana one one legendary cards with text are a little bit interesting to play in standard, right? Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I I don't know what to do with this card. I really don't. I I just. I guess like sacri a sacrifice deck, but it also makes power stone tokens, but that power stone tokens fuel the five mana to exile the creature to make a three three, so it's like a three three generating engine in one drop. This is also counterintuitive to a deck you want to run this in, because like usually you want cards or creatures that can come back to the battlefield uh easily and a good rate and you know, you're you're sacrificing them initially, yeah, but then you have to exile some of these creatures to make a 3-3 colorless zombie artifact creature token. Like, I, I think it's kind of like, it's it's solving its own, it, it's answering its own questions, which I'm <laughs> like, that's not what you should be doing in your own deck. It's also so slow. I guess if you're playing like a black deck that cares about power stones and also cares about sacrificing your creatures, all right, now it already sounds bad. I should stop talking, right? <laughs> yeah, this is one of those cards that's like gonna see no play at all, and then Wizards is gonna bring it into alchemy and nerf it from like or and buff it from like costing five to costing one. And, and then, then it's gonna be broken. It play. All right, that is it for the white, blue, black, red, and green monocolor cards. And this actually concludes the this part of it. We're gonna do the Multicolor cards, and there's, trust me, there's a lot of multicolor cards that you really want to listen to, whereas a lot of artifacts to go over that you really want to listen to as well. And then there's some cool lands that we're going to go over that finishes a cycle from the last set. Thank you very much for everyone that was listening to this podcast, especially to those of you who made it this far. Let us know in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. Let us know on Twitter at Nuts and Bolts Pod. Subscribe if you're watching from YouTube, and we will see you in the top eight.